On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick may be joined by a special guest, but if that falls through, they've got a few topics to keep you up to date on all things you need to know Star Wars. They'll update you on a Lucasfilm exclusive that they're glad didn't pan out. They'll talk about the newly titled Under the Helmet, the Legacy of Boba Fett special. Matt will fill you in on how the War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries concluded and what's in store for Crimson Dawn moving forward. Of course, the episode will end with this week's version of the fan segment, complete with responses to our week question of the week and the honoring of the latest top five. Star Wars featured artists. Punch it, Chewie! Everybody and welcome back to the Star Wars Time Show. And boy, oh boy, should you be excited because it is a special guest type of Star Wars Time Show. If you're on the live stream today, you're, you're looking at our beautiful faces. You will notice we are joined by another beautiful face in Neil Ellis, who is a a, a prop model and costume FX maker that has worked extensively in pop culture, science fiction films. And of course, if he's on this little show, uh, he has also spent some time working in Star Wars. So, Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, agreeing to come on and talk to us two nudniks. We do appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, so like I said, for we, we, we kind of like to uh, profile out our guests for our audience members that might not be familiar with, with some of their work. So, like I said, Neil has um, been, been working in the concept model prop and costume FX game for uh, a bit now, and he has worked in some mega franchises, at least for people like us that like the Star Wars. Uh, Captain America might be familiar to some of you that listen to the show. <laughs> Uh, upcoming ones and too bad it's not called the Batman or the Matrix Resurrections time show because Neil has uh, done work for both of those soon to well Matrix soon to be released Batman I believe Ooh, look at there that. it is he's even got look the gear the he's got the cast and crew <laughs> gear if you're on the stream you can see Neil is wearing his the Batman crew shirt and he just held up the uh, Resurrections uh, he's worked Men in Black Edge of Tomorrow Gravity the Harry Potter franchise um, the Beast franchise kind of the uh, prequel to Harry and of course uh, and correct me if I'm wrong but I believe you you have dabbled in all of the Disney Star Wars movies at this point in time correct Yes, but no, no TV, unfortunately. Well, maybe we'll have to come back to that. Unfortunately, I was going to say, unfortunately, that's a that's a good maybe little maybe next year. We'll see. Gotcha. Oh, you can't can't tell us anything because I know um, for those that listen to the show, we over the summer we had uh, Vincent Jenkins on, who also worked in uh, on some Disney Star Wars projects, and I'm assuming that's where uh, him and Neil met. Um, Oh no, I've known I've known him since forever. Uh, Casino Royale. Oh, okay, gotcha. A long time ago, my first movie was like Vinny's third movie. We've known each other a long time. Got long it. Time. Awesome. Well, we'll have to get into your your story and how you got there, because I mean, to me, a lot of times it's, it, it, you know, as a Star Wars podcast, it's awesome that you've worked in the franchise, of course, but. Uh, we here as humans, we, we sometimes just like to hear the story of, you know, how 
young Neil ended up working on some of these just uh, amazing sci-fi franchises and whatnot. But before we get there, our, our icebreaker, something we, we always start with is your Star Wars fandom. And when did it begin? Do you even have Star Wars fandom? And did it ultimately lead into what you like to do in your professional life? I mean, ultimately, it did. I don't think my story is any more special than any other boy. Uh, I was too young to watch Star Wars in the cinema, but my dad owned a JVC stroke Ferguson video star and he loved piracy. (laughs) So by the time Empire came out and I was ready to go to the cinema, age maybe seven, I'd seen Star Wars every weekend leading up to that, you know, so Empire was my entry. Star Wars was my, wasn't my cinema, cinematic entry, but I did watch it as like a, it was almost like my prequel to Empire. Do you know what I mean? Because it, it was that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, every single bit of pocket money I got was spent in JJ Toys in Edgeware High Street. Foolishly, not on a man of man and not on Yak Face, but on Luke, <laughs> Luke Bezbin. And then I used to, you know, chop his hand off and, Blah, blah, blah. And I missed out on all the big figures because they were the ones that were left in the shops because no one cared back then. The, the peg um, warmers, so as we call them these days. Yeah, yeah. In the back garden, in my cat's dirt tray, pretending it was Tatooine <laughs> with my brother. Nothing particularly spectacular, but I mean, that's all it, that's all it needs, really, to, to sort of feed your imagination, right? Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, we, we've talked to a, a few other guests from that era. I, I'm from that era, too, you know, born in 80. So, you know, I'm original trilogy. Father got me into it. So a, a similar story yeah. to yourself, watching it over and over on those pirated VHS tapes that a lot of us uh, who are now in our 40s remember so fondly back when we were kids. And it was kind of our babysitter, right? Like, here's 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 Star Wars jamming into the TV hit the rewind button when it's over and rinse and repeat. So Neil, do you, did you find that your passion for collecting the toys and, you know, like you said, playing in in the uh, litter box and recreating scenes is, is, is that something that you can maybe tie into what led into you being fascinated with uh, models in general and then ultimately props and then the costume effects? It was always a, it was always in the back of my mind as a dream, you know, Blade Runner in particular, Battlestar Galactica, anything to do with Terminator. I'm, I'm that generation, but I never thought. I didn't realise you could just go and do a degree, and then, you know, create a half decent portfolio, and then walk into an industry as a junior and work your way up. That that didn't even that wasn't even a concept for me. So I went into graphics. Um. Yeah, because it was, you know, an easy thing to get into, an easy thing to learn at home on your Mac. So but, um, when you say graphics, are you, are you talking like... Uh, graphic design, like, no, graphic design, page layout, yeah, 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 you know, that sort of stuff. All right, so... Nothing, so nothing. Do you have traditional, like, do you have a traditional artist background then, or was, was it just kind of... I studied 3D design, I studied design and communication... I wanted to be an architect, but my maths back then, you needed maths, you know, double maths and physics, and I wasn't strong enough in those, in those things. You can't just have a bit of software, you know. Back then, it was, you know, you needed to contribute like a brain as fuck. Um, so I shelved it, basically, 
and became a fitness instructor because I liked the gym. And that was a disaster. So I went to work in a warehouse and that was a disaster. So then I taught myself graphics like Quark Express and Illustrator and Freehand. And then I got, you know, I had a 10 year career in that. Um, And then I got caught up in the tsunami in Thailand and was so close to dying. By the time I came home, I quit my job and went back to university to study modeling. Oh, let's let's rewind. So you were in? Were you living in Thailand during the tsunami? No, no it was, uh, I'd been at my in my graphics job for ten years, and they gave me a, a, a loyalty reward of a round the world trip. And two days into my round the world trip, I was in PP Island when the tsunami hit, <laughs> and I was. Yeah. So talk about bad luck. Holy hell. How was yeah, that? Yeah. What was that? I mean, I mean, well, uh, it was a mess. Yeah, it was a mess, but it, it changed my life and it made me think, you know what? I don't want to sit at a desk anymore. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to work in the film industry. I want to make the things that I ogle at. I want to make the things that I, you know, that blow my mind. Right. So I quit my job and went back to university and did a model making a special effects degree at Hertfordshire. I mean, talk about, I, I know, you know, a lot of people that, that do well in life that, you know, they'll talk about a defining moment or a moment where, you know, you kind of do a 180 in life and, and completely change. That is, that's amazing. Oh, that was abs- that's amazing that, that, still- that the Thailand t- tsunami was your kind of pivot Yeah, I'd point. still be doing corporate identity and I'd still be doing magazine covers for Mac user and, and uh, you know, Adobe adverts. That's what I'd be doing right. now for half the money. And 10 times less the fun because right now I, I don't i don't even know the name of the movie i just know ewan mcgregor is in it and they the, like the the trailer they show the wave coming in over the resort in thailand oh, the impossible. yeah there, yeah, you, the there impossible. you go and i'm just i'm just thinking like so you you were there on the ground for that and lived through it it's a different part of thailand but it's exactly that yeah me and my me and my wife watched that and we cried our eyes out holy shit so, so bang on so absolutely bang on Horrific. Wow. Well, hell. Anyway. So, all right. Well, that is, um, (laughs) that is, that is definitely one way to, to pivot your life. So it just goes to show there's any, and you can get to this point working on Star Wars through any route, even if it's got massive, you know, negative repercussions or memories, it all ends up in the same place, right? Yeah. Cause so far you're, you're fairly unique in terms of who we've talked to. Cause you know, they, they've all kind of got into the movie industry early got on big projects, met the right people, networked the right way, and then made it to, you know, the promised land, Star Wars, ILM, whatever, Lucasfilm. Yeah, well, but, I, I think the, the lucky thing about that was I was at the right age. Where I was in my 30s, I'd already had a hard work ethic. So for me to go back to university, all that meant was I wasn't going to spend my time partying. I wasn't going to spend my time in the bar. I spent my time 12 hours a day smashing out the best work I could and then I ended up with, with a portfolio that got me instantly into work. And, you know, I kind of jumped the queue a little bit by turning up to the party late, if you know what I mean. So was was the, the Potter movies, was that your first foray? Was that your first gig in, in the movie business? It was my first full time. I did Gulliver's Travels as like a, a little bit above, you know, intern. That was awful. I left that and just prior to that, I did a couple of weeks on Casino Royale, which is where I met Vinny. But yeah, Harry Potter, seven and seven and a half was my first gig. And I stayed with that crew. I mean, I'm still going to go back to them, but I stayed with that crew throughout my career. 
And that, that's kind of how it happens, right? You, you kind of meet a team with people. You all end up liking each other, hopefully. And then for the most part, you'll kind of pull each other through into other projects. Yeah, well, the Harry Potter props crew, which was Pierre Bahanna and Toby Hawks, they were the costume effects guys in all five Star Wars films. That's where, because that's where they ended up. And, you know, traditionally, they're, they're very much Warner, but... Yeah, that's unique. I mean, how does yes. because they they typically no, done all the DC stuff. Yeah, this stuff's crazy. So you just have to, and he did Men in Black as well. You know, it's the same, it's the same guys. Yeah, I guess that was at a transitional time for Star Wars too, because you had Harry Potter, and then you had you know the other projects that those teams worked on, and that was like a fallow period for Star Wars pre Disney acquisition. And then I'm sure when Disney bought it, they were like, well, we want the best prop team that we can get to to relaunch the whole franchise. Well, I've got a good story, actually. While I was on Edge of Tomorrow, I was working in props and I was building a, a 32-inch Millennium Falcon, just as a nerd, under my bench. At lunchtime, I'd bring it out, I'd bring it out. But incidentally, the supervising art director on that was Neil Lamont, who was ultimately the production designer on Solo and co-production designer on Rogue One, and also supervising art director on The Force Awakens. And the prop guy on that was Pierre Bohanna, who ended up being the costume effects supervisor. And I was making this thing, people were like ripping me, oh, you nerd, blah, I'm like, oh, whatever, whatever. And it turns out Neil Lamont came up and saw me working on it. And then three or four years later, remembered it was under my bench, asked if he could rent it off me. (laughs) And I... God's on his truth, said, why don't you just hire me? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Sell that's yourself. It's the concept modern maker on Star Wars. That is I mean, amazing. That's amazing. It's bonkers, yeah. It was like five different things all it really? gelling in, in, you know, at one instant. It's bonkers. And they're all years, they're like four or five years apart. There's, there's literally no rhyme, so there's no reason to why that would happen. It just is. It's, it's really good. It, it it does it never ceases to amaze me, and I'm I'm sure Nick would would share that sentiment with with how people like you kind of end up getting to Star Wars. Or just I mean, we, Star Wars is kind of our thing. But hey, working in the industry you're in, working on some of the films you have worked on, I mean that that's just as amazing. And it really is you you all share similar stories in that right place, right time, right people, and then obviously having the right skill set. And it's just amazing that uh, on your downtime, you're building a, a prop that led to you down the road working on five Star Wars movies. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are a, a ton of right people to be around in the UK. There are a ton of them. There are a ton of people out there with every skill you need. That's not the difficult bit. I think it's just that jamminess that fluke that's right. what did it because it could have been anyone you know there are there are i could go and work for 20 people now and they're all amazing bosses and but they could hire 300 different people who are all amazing monomakers but it's that, that little moment was just the thing for me that's that awesome. really changed so how do you uh, how do you um justify building a falcon prop on edge of tomorrow like did they let you use <laughs> material there or i mean how does that no, I, I wasn't the first one i did i did one at uni for my graduation show um, I just because I sold it, I missed it. So I just thought, oh, do you know what? I'm on this for a year. <laughs> I could probably do another <laughs> one <laughs> under my bench. I normally get in early. 
Got much. a little downtime during the day. Yeah, I, I, not anymore so much, but I always had a home. I always had a home projects on the go. Okay. You know, now I, t- I tend generally make costume things for friends if I'm, you know, bored at lunch, but, you know. I got to ask, someone that is a, you know, professional model maker, prop maker, what do you think about 3D printing these days and consumer 3D printing? Do you feel it's just the evolution of the art form or is a bit of cheating compared to what you had to, you used to do? Even when I graduated, that was the future. Okay. That was 13 years ago. Yeah. It was always, it's just whether you decided, I come from a computer background, from Illustrator and Photoshop, blah, 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 but... 3D's a little, you know, I haven't, I've not invested my time in it, but I've got the mind to pick it up. It's not, I mean, it's not rocket science. Right. You know, but animation's a different thing. I mean, just modeling in itself. Um, if it has to be proper engineering, then that's a different issue altogether. But I think as far as a concept and model making thing, it's, it's a useful tool. I just don't use it because I don't want to sit in, a, in front of a computer all day Right. Doing the work I could be doing by hand just so I can press print and go to bed and wake up and have it done for me. That's not the, that's not the fun side of it, but I totally understand. And I, I, I use it where it's necessary. Absolutely. We used it on Batman. Most of the Batman build was scratch built, but we used 3D prints on things that were just, you know, just for time reasons, really. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna. Well, thank you, because I was gonna ask: Do they do they on big big productions now bust out some three D printers, or is it still mostly handcrafted, um, you know, props and models? It's fifty fifty. I mean, it depends. You know, I'm on Band of Brothers at the minute, and it's almost all scratch scratch built because we it's a period drama set in the forties. What you know, three D printing. Not so much. We get some engineering CNC and things like that, but little bits and bobs are 3D printed just to save us time. I'm sure that art departments, depending on the art director and the, the production designer, they, they maybe they're not so interested in the conceptual side of model making because they want to see it as, as you know, artwork, right. which is easier to adapt. You know, if you if you finish a 3D model, a, a, a concept model, and it's taken you a week, and they want half of it changed, there's a good few days' work there. Right. But if you've done it as a photo you know, as a SketchUp model, you could probably do it in half an hour. So it depends on, on the value they hold, they put upon you actually physically something, having something in your hand. I think that's the, that's the be all and end all of it. If someone loves to have, pick up a model and look at it and actually photograph it from different angles, or they're willing to just watch a, you know, a SketchUp model on a turntable, then it's, I think that's all it's down to really. So when you, when you built that, going back to the Falcon, how do you craft something like that? I mean, are you molding the individual pieces? Or are you you're cutting them off of no, other things? No, no, I sourced the original kits that they used in the seventies. Okay. Oh, okay. They had a ILM had a rack, an enormous rack of seventies Tamiya one thirty fifth, one forty eight, one seventy two, one seven hundred battleships, and those patterns haven't changed since then. Tamiya are still using the same tooling for the for the kits you buy now. So if you buy a 25 pound gun, you know, Canadian gun from 1999, it's still the exactly the same kit that they used on the Falcon in the seventies. And, you know, people over the years have managed to make this enormous spreadsheet of 120 different kits that were on the Falcon. 10, it's probably about 1500 pounds, $2,000 worth of kits. But then you can specifically pinpoint every single thing on the Falcon and literally generate 
a, you know, a 95% accurate piece of work. Right. Wow. When you... And it's down to fandom, completely down to fandom. And this was all before, this is when AOL was the only internet. Right. Yes. Yeah, the the good old days. Go. I kind of wish it was yeah. back to that yeah. sometimes. It's not even a new thing. It's been going on for years. And there are dedicated fans who've just done an amazing job of just researching this stuff. So who I actually owe a lot to because they know more than I do. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, we do a, a, a podcast about Star Wars. So we're definitely fanboys. But we're, I, I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of like how hardcore they will get on details and. You know, yeah, locations, yeah. placements, paintings, and it's got to be this way. It's got to be turned that way. When you are yeah. kind of digging up a, a proper like costume effects, do you like creating it all from scratch or do you like uh, repurposing older items? Like you, like you said, World War II. Um, I know World War II guns were used in, in Star Wars and, and so on There's and so only forth. Only the details, only the tiniest little widgets. That's all. Everything else is sculpted. You know, a sculptor would carve a buck from hand, vac form it, make a shell, and then it's only the tiniest things that are used. What is, do you remember the first model or prop that you made or, or what you used to maybe? Um, uh, on Star Wars. What's that? Ever or on Star Wars? Ever. Like, like when you're like, ha, ah, this is the first time you created something and you're like, check this out. Do you remember what um, that was? I I do. I wasn't that old. I wasn't that young or old, actually. It was um, back in the early days of the RPF. You know the RPF? You must know the RPF. Replica Prop Forum. Sure. We do now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it was... It was it was when everyone had an obsession with lightsabers. And, you know, everyone yes. knew about the Graflex. Yeah. Right. Yes. But no one knew about the MPP, which was Vader's. Because mm -hmm. it was a British camera flash. Oh, for and his, for his help. Okay. For his help. Only one had ever been found. And then I found the second one. Oh. And I finished it and I posted it. And it, it was that, that was probably the thing that made me go, fuck, you know, this is bonkers. Awesome. That was it. Yeah. I must mention Laszlo Beckett, first one to ever finish a, a Vader lightsaber, but I found the second one in a in a vintage camera shop in South London. Do you still and have that piece? No, I mean, that's just 25 years ago. But he um, he wouldn't sell me both. <laughs> Wait, did, I mentioned it was a lightsaber. There you I go. I was going to say, did, did this person know what they had then? Did you, did you yeah, give it away? Yeah, I it I mentioned it like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't sell me one. Oh, but, I yeah. love it. Uh, all right. Do I mean, you have now you could make a whole living just off of making lightsabers. There's so there's so many different replica lightsaber websites, you know, uh, screen accurate reproduction sites and stuff like that. And all of them, they, they sell like hotcakes. They sell crazy, crazy prices, too. I mean, some of them will sell upwards of a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's it's wild. Neil, do yeah, you no, it's a big market out there. It's a big market out there. But I'm not a machinist particularly. I mean, all I did was get the camera flash, right. take the bolt <laughs> straight away and put a few more bits on. It's easy. It's, you know, it's not the same as that. You know, nowadays it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone gets stuff, you know, machined in China. They've got these contacts all around the world and it's just, it's different. It's a different world now. Yeah. 
So do your your friends ever hit you up for some cosplay items? You know, they're going to a Halloween party or a Star Wars celebration. Do you ever get hit up to kind of uh, pimp um, out their their costumes with some props? Or I'm doing it. I am doing a crazy uh, sort of Sakura cherry blossom assassin for a friend of mine. Oh, like a sexy two sworded kimono wearing female assassin. That's awesome. Yeah, no, these little things like that. That's, that's the fun. Isn't it? I'm doing a Boba Fett helmet for someone, but ah, that okay. Really. I saw that on your Instagram page. As like, what is what's Neil hitting at here? Did he have his hand in the book of Boba Fett, or is this a personal oh, project? No, 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 it's, no, 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 it's nothing to do that. It's a, it's a, it's an ancient mold. It's an ancient mold. Gotcha. So I wish. I'm really looking forward to that. That that little snippet, that trailer, just that was like. Oh my god! Yeah, let, let's let's kind of <laughs> let, let's get into that. Let, you know, we've been talking about you know, kind of Neil's background and getting into the business, but let's circle back to the the Star Wars fandom. It, it sounds like you're 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 really digging the Star Wars TV that has come out over the past two years. Is that a fair statement? Like the the Mandalorian and to- I had issues with the, some of the narrative of the Mandalorian, but I as when it finished, I was like, okay. I actually want another season, but it kind of, it, I needed to get to the end before I appreciated it. There were just some issues, but you know, I'm not a story writer. I'm just a critic who can never be pleased. Right? Are, are you like, <laughs> are you like my co-host Nick and uh, Grogu was getting on your nerves after a while? Was, was it a Grogu <laughs> issue or? Uh, I just don't know why the Mandalorian would save that little critter, but kill 20 Jawas who were the same size. And he could be seven years old, but he shot them in the face. Oh, I just love it. It was you just know, some crazy things. It was just that's a good stuff. point. That's a good point. Nobody's he that. Wall and they're up to his knees. <laughs> <laughs> and they killed him for free. <laughs> Love it. They mess with his ship, though. Yeah, man. They 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 strip the razor crest. Yeah, but how many times did that little ship put him in jeopardy? (laughs) Very true. Maybe you can find. Very true. I love it. I get it. I get it. It's a kid show. I get it. You don't need. Shouldn't analyze it too much. So uh, I love. You know, I did like it. I did like it. It got better. It got better and better and better. Being a uh, and the Dalhouse one with Bill Burr. That was just like boom. Oh yeah, that one was great. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I've, I've, when I first found out Bill was in Star Wars, I was like, well, that's kind of odd because he, I mean, he has bits on Star Wars fans and how we're all goofy and he doesn't get it, but he really has kind of become one of the best new characters. And I think that I didn't even know he was in it until I watched it and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then he was with like the hot, the hottest Twilight ever. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I had to pause it for like 10 minutes and come back. <laughs> no, I like that. No, it's good. It's good. So, I just hope the rest of it, uh, you know, I'm sure the Boba Fett thing's going to be great. So, yeah. So being a, um, you know, a, a, a child of the original trilogy, how did you, how did you uh, appreciate the return of Luke Skywalker at the end of The Mandalorian? Was that... Did it hit you like some of us other fans, or did you feel like they were that that was cheating did by bringing back Luke? Happen? No, it was going to happen. No, no one. No, I don't think anyone I, did. No, no. no I, don't don't um, I was surprised, and I thought I still can't work out how that. I'm still looking forward to how they worked that timeline out, but um, as to where what happened to that little shit. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. He you just see? he just kind of he just exit, exit stage left. We don't know. I mean, is he gone for good? Are we going to check in on Luke and Grogu again? I guess we don't know. Well, they've got thirty years to work out what happened between that and the Force Awakens, right? So that's yeah. interesting. Well, there you go. Yeah. Maybe some more Maybe movies we'll... will be coming your way. We got we got some timelines to fill now. Yeah, I know. I definitely Sorry. prefer to layer in Rogue One. Oh yes, yeah. He looked a lot better than Leia in Rogue One. Leia in Rogue One even looked worse than Tarkin in Rogue One, and Tarkin was fully CGI. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tarkin in in reflected in the window. Yeah, it's amazing, and that's right. all they should have kept it just to. Stay right? there. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just got, why has he suddenly got twenty liver spots? Pores <laughs> two mil deep. Just relax, relax <laughs> on the flipping texture. But yeah, no, it was. Still, I still enjoyed it though. I like Rogue One. In fact, I think it's my favorite out of the five. Yeah, I think that's a that's a consensus that it that kind of changes to changes different reasons for that answer, but. As an overall, as an overall thing, I think it's my favorite. Do you have one of the five that not necessarily is a favorite of yours to watch, but was probably your favorite to work on? Solo was my favorite to work on. Oh, okay. Was there so was in anything it. in particular on that that made so it the best? It. You okay? You were in. Who were you playing? Oh, uh, this is a good story. All right, so I was in the art department for, I don't know, maybe a year, and then I left to go and do L3. And as soon as I left, Vinny and and um, Alex Hutchins and these other guys, they were invited to be mud troopers. Okay. And I missed out. And I was... <laughs> well, I didn't... I'm not sure... If I, I don't remember if I knew about it. But anyway, Vinny says, no, 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 come along, come along, we're going to be mud troopers. So I went along to the costume fitting... And I think because I looked too old for a mud trooper, they made me an Imperial officer. Oh, so you got FaceTime then. And I got a line. Holy shit. I'm going to have to go I'm back and rewatch this tonight. Where Han Solo gets arrested and gets. You know, as soon as you said, I was like, I okay. meet Chewbacca. Yeah. And I'm this sort of kind of small henchman in the background <laughs> hanging behind. Oh, I can't remember his name. He was brilliant. He's a beard. He's the only, only Imperial officer with a beard. He's the one who's confronting Han Solo in front, in front of Woody Harrelson. Yes. Before he gets taken off, anyway. And I, I, I had to shout to the Southern Marshlands, move out. Okay. Like a day okay. and a half in smoke. It's horrific. <laughs> and I get proper stage fright. It was horrific. <laughs> and then I go to the cinema. I spot myself, and they've dubbed me. Oh no. oh no! With an American. Oh no, oh, that's no. the worst. It's like there are no American Imperial officers. No. Like ever. Oh, because no. I've got a squeaky voice. I've got a squeaky voice. We, we like, don't speak proper English, so I, how well, dare that's they? It's not, not the point. You're not supposed to be the villains in Star Wars, right? It's the it's the it's yeah. the, it's the, it's the British Empire. The British Empire, yeah. Uh. yeah. It's bonkers. Uh. Makes no sense. So I'm the, I'm literally the first American Imperial officer. That's British. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is British. Yeah, that is British. Oh, that is. So that yeah, is... watch it. It's, it's you've got two seconds. If you blink, you'll miss it. My son spotted it. 
fitness and not, he went bonkers. But <laughs> I know, I, yeah, no, I, I definitely know the part you're talking about now that you've described it. Yeah. <laughs> I took my Instagram. I've got at least 20 photos of me, even with in smoke, an arrow going, look, that's me. <laughs> so in the end, once you saw yourself on the big screen and you, and you made your debut, was, was it worth the shoot and all the pain and misery? Oh, yeah, it was. But as, a, as with a line, I should have got a credit. Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, you should say. be getting on residual your, checks. In fact, I had a pay cut. I had to take a pay cut from model maker to extra. Wow. And no credit. What the hell is that about? I know. <laughs> I would get in touch with somebody. Huh? Yeah. That's rude. Yeah, you, yeah. Need, you need to get I, that, I that guy a name. I got two credits on The Force Awakens, and I think it pissed people off because you're not supposed to get two credits. Oh, okay. So, I don't think uh, you are. At least that's what I heard. Oh yes, costume prop maker and concept model maker for for Force Awakens. Yes, so usually they only give you one. Is yeah, that, I slipped okay. the net. I slipped through the net on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Payback and solo. They they dub yeah, your yeah, voice and like, only yeah. one credit and, and less pay. Yeah, <laughs> At least on I, you got had, two for. Had the actor credit. They would have had been in book with a name. They would have had to. Make up some shit. That's what I mean. Yeah. You, 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 at this yeah. point, you could be going to Star Wars celebrations and signing autographs into your 80s if you had yeah. like a named character the way the yeah. way the fandom is. Well, 10 a show, maybe 12. If hey, I guarantee you people would pay it. I mean, people I I've, will show up. You have that big picture behind you. They see you. They remember you from the screen. Yeah. They will be in line. Oh, I did do the London Film of Comic Con. Oh. S- signings or were you on like a panel or something yeah, signing no, i was signing how'd that and go I was next to greedo no i was next to bloody paul blake i was uh, next to greedo and he had a queue like four <laughs> days long yeah and i just had friends coming up to me going hey you wanker <laughs> <laughs> like look at me oh, there's no one so here great. oh man <laughs> they they, they yeah, jobbed you there setting you up next to greedo that, that's not fair so yeah, on um, on Rogue One, did you I, I, when we were talking to you call him Vinny? I, I wish he let us call him Vinny. But when when uh, on Rogue One, Vinny he he told us that the whole art department snuck down and got to watch the Vader hallway scene. Uh, were you yes. mi- mixed up in that yes. too? That was awesome. That was awesome. And do you know what? What's that? That helmet was my own personal helmet that I sold to costume. Really? Wow. Yep. That's all I'm saying. Okay. You should have. All right. We won't you should press. have let him borrow it and then get it back. And then you no, could have no, no, sold no, it for way there. more. <laughs> so is, it, is that like another deer where they're like, hey, we'll buy it or you can have a job type of thing like you had no, with the. I no, I was in a such, I was so in Star Wars. I offered, I just off gave everything I had. <laughs> I mean, that like, is don't, an amazing. Don't, don't worry. I'll source that for you. Boom. There you go. Let's just get a new dome on it because the one, the original one was a bit ropey. Let's make it nice. Yeah. 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 And that was, was that just another passion project piece that you had worked on in the past? And yeah, it was, it was, it was, oh, I can't even tell you too much. Quasimodo. Okay. There you go. That's what you need to know. Look it up. I'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get our researchers on that. Researchers. Add to your collection something that's lineage and epic. Look, look that up. Okay. All right. We'll do that. We'll, <laughs> we'll get somebody on it. <laughs> so when you, Neil, when you watch a scene like that being filmed, uh, did, 
did you realize it was going to kind of have the impact and in the visuals that it did in, you know, after post-production and in the movie itself? Yeah. You walk away with goosebumps for sure. Absolutely. You were like, Oh my God, what did I just witness? Yeah. And we were actually on solo by that point. Mm. Okay. Cause Oh yeah. This was during the reshoots. The very, very, very beginning of solo sitting in offices above the stage that was doing the last dregs of Rogue One. So we were never expecting to see that. And already, you know, eight would already come and gone. It was just bonkers. Hold on. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah Cause it was, yeah. it was the, uh, yeah, the, the backlash the, to the last crazy, Jedi yeah. that kind of messed with uh, solos theater yeah. opening and whatnot. Yeah. 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 I mean, to be fair, I only saw maybe I was in there for maybe 20 minutes but it was it, yeah. It was good when you saw him, his lightsaber come on in the smoke. You were like, "Oh my god, what's happening?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was yeah, good. I, I can only, or I think, collectively, Star Wars fans can only hope for more of that in the Obi Wan Kenobi series coming out. Uh, now, yeah, Vincent, you know, he he revealed that he was actually working on Kenobi when it was still a movie. Is, is that something you also were kind of dabbling in or you'd moved on by that? No, I was wait, kind of waiting unofficially to get involved, but it just went away. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now it's back and I'm sure they would probably brought in new teams and whatnot since it moved over to the TV side versus the film side. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm always still up for that kind of thing, but I just, depends where it's being shot a lot of this stuff gets shot in industrial estates out in the out in the countryside and it's just there's no vibe there you know, i love being in the studios it's all about studios so are you, are you a fan of the the new volume tech then since that's technically a digital studio or you just you prefer the, the practical sets and, and and you know like production tangible production design uh, um i'm i'm into all of it but I mean, as far as a working location, I want to be either Shepperton, Pinewood, Elstree, or Leavesden. That's it. Everything else is technically a glorified industrial estate. Okay. With with no soul, except for the soul that the crew brings to it. Okay. You know, when you're at Pinewood, you've got six, six or seven, maybe four, four or five gigs going on, and you've got all your friends that you've known for the last fifteen years, and you're all on different projects, and. That's what it. That's what a film studio is to me. You know, the project is important, but I'd rather do something less prestigious in a prestigious location. I, I got you. I, you know I, what I mean? It's just, just day to day. It just feels like a better use of your time. So, do you yeah. feel like then, Andor, the series they're making, the the prequel for Rogue One, which was all shot in the UK using a lot of location shoots, and and I'm assuming that the studios over there, do you feel like because of that, it, it it's going to have that much more? Location's fine. Like, I love going on location, but as right. long as your base is one of the big studios, that's what you know. That's that's what gets my gravy flowing. Just being in those places, I've got. Right. 120, 100 years of history. That's what I love about the film industry. Mm. I don't really want to be shooting something spectacular that's in a in a in a industrial state in High Wycombe. I got you. Yeah, I was just watching. I don't know if you've watched the the movies that made us those documentaries on Netflix. Yeah, I've just watched the the um, Forrest Gump one. 
Yeah, well, they, they just did a new season like right after that, and Aliens is on it. And I, I was dabbling in it last night, and the, and that was all Pinewood. So that that's why I'm bringing it up because they right yeah, I mean, yeah they, they talk about that. they talk about how James. I mean, honestly, I I didn't know this, but James Cameron was essentially you. He was a a prop and model maker on some goofy cheap sci-fi movie, and Gail Ann Hurd, a famous producer. Yeah, not he'd, at only the time. Done he'd only done Terminator. He'd only done Terminator up to that point, right? Yeah, but he, even before that, like he yeah. he he was able to do Terminator because of his work in in model and prop making, but also because of the passion he showed to this producer at the time who was visiting right. a set trying to push it along. I recommend checking you know, it out if you if you. Paxton was art department. Did you know that? Yeah, no, they they talk about that exactly. How yeah. Paxton had yeah. been working with Cameron uh, uh, on this low budget. Uh, it's like a Robert yeah. Cowan movie. I guess he was a famous producer for making cheap B movies and launching careers. Anyways, I, I think you would really appreciate that episode because it, it, it oh, goes. I missed it. Is it a new one? Is it yeah, a new it, one? Yeah, the new season I believe came out last week. It's got a lot of the oh. horror movies, but then it's got Aliens, RoboCop. Uh, I think one oh. other like badass eighties type of stuff we're into. So yeah, check the check yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah, no, that's not, yeah, yeah, totally. I need to watch that for sure. Um, so yeah, most fun was on solo. Do you have a I guess just a a personal kind of favorite prop model costume effects that you've designed for Star Wars? Like one like you're so proud of. You know, you you you'd put it on your fridge. I think as far as vehicles, I think it's got to be Krennic Shuttle. Mm, yes. Okay. I think because I work with Neil and Doug on that from, and you know, and also the concept guys, but literally from maquettes comparing it to the Tidarium and to Kylo Ren's and just doing these tiny little maquettes landed and, and flying and just working it out from that level right up to super detailing the final model, right up to then producing them for ILM's display cabinet. So, I mean, that's probably the one that, that, because it looks so, it looks so clean. It was so, you know, that was probably super fresh. I think Solo Speeder also, because I had to do four or five, maybe six models via multiple different designers and you know across the atlantic back and forth that was another good one i'm not sure what was on screen was my favorite out of the five or six but it seems to be quite popular um and it, it became hasbro and lego toy so you can't really complain yeah there you go i mean is that kind of a badge of honor for model makers to have their model ultimately become a collectible it's nice to see it in Lego, although it doesn't really translate perfectly. The good thing about the Solo, the, the Hasbro one, was they, they released their toy when it was not signed off. So their one is as per my, my exact prototype, but not what you see on screen, which is quite nice. Gotcha. Okay. So if, you want, if you want a 136 scale replica of my concept model, buy the Hasbro toy, because it's got nothing to do with what you see on screen. <laughs> they, were given, they were given access... Because they, you know, these guys are pushy. They want it. They want their, they want their stuff before the film's out. Yeah. yeah. So they got they given their stuff, and then uh, it changed for the film. So what you buy as Hasbro is is actually my concept model and or our concept model, and not what you see on screen. And, and I'm sure as as they toys, give you royalties for all these, right? 
<laughs> I didn't even get. A, I didn't even get a one with a scruffy box for the price. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't even get a version of the. You, toy. you don't get. To be fair, I haven't gone to buy one either. I'm waiting till it's in like 99p bin in about 10 years time. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, as far as the droids, I think all of them. The thing about working on droids is you get to stand by with the performers, and you know Stephanie Silver, Natalie Kuzner, Nathan Plant, details. It's just such a pleasure to be to hang around with these guys for like hours and hours on end in complete silence, being shushed by the third ADs because you're having a laugh. <laughs> While they're being pinched and they're sweaty and they're uncomfortable and you have to feed them. It's, <laughs> but it's, it, it makes you know it makes it makes costume really good hanging around on set with these guys because they have to yeah. put up with the most horrific costumes that look good but are just. You know, it's like a Lady Gaga meat dress. You wouldn't want to wear it. Right, <laughs> right yeah. It, it looks <laughs> cool, true. but not, not very functionable. No, no, we try our best, but, you know, you can't sit down without taking your legs off. It's just nonsense, really. So I'm a, I have your the, the L3 picture from your Instagram up on the, the stream right now. What did, oh, you, did you design that whole thing, build that whole thing, or no, just parts no, of it? L, L3 was completely designed and wearable and shot on by the time I got involved. All I did was the guts. Got you. So the bits that were, the, that were designed to hide Phoebe's green leotard. Okay. Yeah, and no, I joined it super late. I had a, I had a few weeks with, with Glenn, Dylan, and, and Sam Williams to try and come up with, you know, a found part skeletal structure that would work, that ILM could scan, and then animate and that was actually literally my role in it. I mean it's a great thing to do because I had total freedom and I just went through a bucket of bits in from props and just found bits that you know that looked like a sternum it looked like collarbones it looked like a spine and, and just cobbled it together and it got signed off yeah so it is nice. I, it is a very one of my favorite uh, I'd say bot designs in, in Star Wars she was also quite unique in terms of her personality would, would, yeah. Fe, would Phoebe yeah. get in this thing or is this just purely for reference, this model we're looking at on your page here? Oh, no, she couldn't get in that, but she got in all of the white bits. Got okay. It. Yeah, okay. she could completely fit in that costume, except for all the technical pistons and the spine and all that stuff. That was That's just wild. for the CGI. I just... No, that was, that was actually a screen use suit that I used. She'd actually run around on set in that and it was given to me. I built an armature for it to stand on and then and then deconstructed and you know, reverse engineered I, I sit here as a collector oh. and I'm like I wonder how much this thing would cost to have in my house right now <laughs> this L3 I mean it looks like the damn droid I mean it, it's it's the robot yeah. it <laughs> yeah. really is I mean it's amazing looking. well I mean there probably was a dozen people I'm working on that for months plus you got yeah. to count you know count Glenn Dillon's fee <laughs> so good luck with that. I reckon you, you know, today, if you can, have you got a quarterly of quarter of a million pounds? Or, yeah, I'd, <laughs> just to toss around. I'd probably, that sounds about. That sounds about it? right. I'll, I'll work on it. I don't even know where it is. It's probably in Lucasfilm it's, somewhere. It's probably in some sort of warehouse, just oh, sequestered yeah, away. Crushed. Nobody will see it again. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks like you got some props there. Right now, is that Leia's medal from episode nine? Oh, I wanted to show you this. Now, this is a gift from, so it is. Oh, okay. I'll check that is. out. There it is. The Yavin celebration medal. Costume FX. There you go. 
So this is we got this if you've worked on all five Star Wars films in costume. Oh wow! Oh, so that's yeah, super yeah. limited yeah. then. Like that—that that is a yeah, collector's it's item. A, it's a replica of the medal, but yeah, it's like a. Um, and I've also got I've got given this from Glyn. Oh, your little uh, cat, your your officer's badge. Yeah, that's what I wore. <laughs> oh, there you go. The data pen. That's an e- that's an easy costume for you now. You just got to get the, the the green jacket, and you can put all the, the pieces on it yourself. You got it yourself a Halloween yeah, costume. I'm not so much into cosplay though. So I don't mind helping people out, but <laughs> it means I need to shave again, which is not going to happen. Uh, very Actually, true. Well, I we're, to shave every morning. It was awful. We're all brotherhoods of the beard here, so we understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes my head look less like a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> so that medal do you know how many other people have that is it was it the whole prop department that was essentially taken through all five films or were no, there people that kind of costume effects which is quite right, a just team quite a small okay. team and it was a very low team uh, wow. the same people every time pretty much That's unless amazing. someone died but no one did so i think i don't know there's probably only i don't know god knows Somewhere between 35 and 40 people throughout five years, I guess. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Maybe Uh, more. I don't know. I I can't speak for like the the dressers. It might be, it might be more. Maybe there's a hundred, who knows, but there's not that many. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Now, when you're on these Star Wars movies, Neil, are you working as a contractor for like ILM or Lucasfilm or do you get hired as an employee? Yeah, no, I get hired by the head of department. Okay. So I would be hired by the production designer or the supervising art director for the art department or be hired by the costume effects HOD. Okay. Obviously, my contract still goes through Disney and Lucasfilm. Right. But they don't know who I am. Or you're, yeah, you're not technically <laughs> an employee of of Lucasfilm or ILM. Oh, yeah, my pay slips yeah, say not ILM, but they say... Actually, they don't even say Disney. They set up this. Yeah, stooge. whatever, whatever shell company, shell, so they don't have to pay company. taxes or something. <laughs> yeah. So they don't have to pay their bills when they rack. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. How often do you find yourself, if ever, um, working directly with? Like, have you ever had to work directly with directors? Um, anything like that on particular pieces? Um, oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, one not very often. No, obviously, with with Gareth. Gareth Edwards. Edwards, yeah. Yeah, we did a lot of face-to-face things with him about the U-Wing. Okay, yeah. Which was tiresome, but it got there in the end. And then uh, and with JJ, this is the only time I really had a face-to-face with JJ, it was about the crashed ATAT that um, Ray lived in. Yeah. And I managed to flick sand in my eye while I was talking <laughs> to him. And, then I had, <laughs> and it hurt so much, I just literally had to reel away and I look like a right twat. So generally, I try and avoid directors. That's hilarious. So JJ's like, man, wait, is there something wrong with that Neil <laughs> guy? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, he couldn't even look at me. Like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It just burns. <laughs> it's just build of sand in yeah. my eye. It's all right. My <laughs> eye's melting, but whatever you need, boss. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm not very smooth. When it, I get, I, you know, I do get starstruck. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a fanboy at heart. I do get starstruck. Um, it's hard not to. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I mean, some people are just like, well, he's just yeah. No, he's not. 
It's not civilized sex. What do you mean he's a human being? What are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, so, I'm not uh, very good with that. We'll talk, talking about the sequels real quick. How, how was that experience? I mean, in, in the end, now you can look back on it with some hindsight. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're still proud that you worked on the films, but, you know, with some of the reception and the way the narrative went, I mean, is that, how do you feel about your time on the, the sequel trilogy? I would, I would do it again. I mean, look. The, se- the actual, okay, you mean the three sequel? Look, I, as much as people say that Force Awakens is a new hope, I don't think anyone left the cinema after first viewing saying that and it was I kind of get it the beats are, the beats are what they are but yeah. I really like The Force Awakens I really like The Force Awakens Same. I mean it's got the house of Ford in it that really helps <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, fact that, the fact that Mark Hamill's not doesn't help um, but I really like it you know Daisy's really good and everyone's good Oscar's a bit wasted but you know, I, you know I think it's really good second and third one I don't think I'll ever watch them again to be honest I'm not going to lie to you as much as they are visually pretty, I just they're I don't have enough hours in a day. Right. <laughs> there's so much other stuff to watch. I'm, there's so much to look forward to. You know, there's so much to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not that they anger me. It's just like, meh. I got you. It's kind of it. I feel like the the reception now to the sequels is is very similar to what it was like to the prequels in the early two thousands. And then it's just recently that people are starting to come back around and, and enjoy the prequels. It, it literally almost took 20 years for the prequels to get the love that people are now giving them. But I feel like that's, that's probably going to end up happening with the sequels. 20 years from now, people might look back and say, you know what? They, they weren't too bad. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, they weren't too bad. Isn't a compliment though, is it really? When you, <laughs> you, know, when you spend three or 400 million, yeah, yeah. They weren't too bad. Built on the back of the greatest franchise ever in human history. That's not really, that wasn't their brief, but you know, but it is what it is. So when it's you're like the books, I read the books, half of them are shit, but I still read them. Right. True. And I, I would still reread them because I've forgotten how shit they were. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so as someone that, that, that worked on the films, I mean, kind of fanboyism aside, what was it like knowing that each film was going to go to a different writer and a different director and then directors getting fired? I mean, did that, you know, people working on the film, did you all kind of experience that? Did it affect what you all were doing or were you just like, Hey, we're going to do our job and that's it. It only did when I was in the art department because you're that much closer to the grownups, the grownups, (laughs) you know, when you're, when you're doing, that's what we call them. When you're doing, um, Costume effects and prop making, it all washes over you. You don't get involved. You don't, you're not even told. You're not even given a proper brief half the time, to be fair with you. Um, so, Solo was a big one as far as, you know, a little bit of what's going on. Oh, there's a, going lot on. Of, a lot of yeah. rearranging yeah, in that movie. Of, yeah, but you kind of, you know, you, even, even as a minion, you can still see it coming to a certain degree. You hope it doesn't, but it, when it does, you understand why. Right. Um, but does it affect you? To be fair, you, you might even get to remake something that you really enjoyed making. So that just That's gives you know, it's more money in the bank. You have, yeah, it's more work. Yeah. 
you know, financially, it's like, but, you know, if you see something you spent ages on that's been canned, it's a little bit, you can't take it personally because that happens all the time, but you just, you know, it is what it is. Was there a lot of... It's like on a, you know, I've been on a film before where we're coming near the end of what should have been scheduled production and they haven't even got a third act. (laughs) Oh, jeez. That's more and more common. They start films before they've got a script. As long as they've got two thirds, they'll start a script. Hopefully they've got eight months to to nail it and then we finish it. It's just how it is now because the turnover is crazy. Um, But... It can work. Sometimes it doesn't. That's what Edge of Tomorrow was like, and it turned out brilliant. I love that movie. Yeah, oh. Edge of Tomorrow is fantastic. Which, yeah. I wonder, I'm going to get a sequel for it, but apparently yeah, Emily Blunt's saying it's too expensive. So what's going on here? Oh, was she, was she going to be a producer on it, she? <laughs> she, she was doing an interview with Howard Stern over the summer and they were talking about, it. and I guess, you know, with, with COVID and, the, and what it takes these days to make movies like that, that she doesn't know if those big budget sci-fi, you know, summer tentpole films will kind of be a thing moving forward. Well, I mean, it did, if she goes by the maths, it didn't do well. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a cult. It was a cult thing after the fact, isn't it? it? It didn't do well. I don't even think it made hundred million or made 50 100 million it didn't do well at all considering it was bloody awesome and probably one of the best films of the year oh it's like, great it's yeah definitely was um and one of my greatest projects to work on for sure i mean it was so much fun well yeah so i'm, I'm assuming fun. you you what you were you working on the suits and stuff they were wearing like those uh mechanical to start with, yeah we were a team sculpting the prototypes for the suit and that were literally just built upon forest gum legs Forest Gump running legs to initially went from that sort of level of screwing foam into these Forest Gump legs so someone could move into developing it into this full 3D printed engineered bloody exoskeleton that could be shrunk wow. the cables here. Yeah, brilliant. Really good. And then just went on to props after that for a while. Amazing. For Solo, did you guys have to do like redo a lot of work after the production shakeup or were, were you pretty set? Mm, to be honest with you, I honestly wouldn't be able to tell you what was a reshoot and what wasn't. Okay. Everything that I made for Phil and Chris, nothing was changed. Okay. For, for Ron Howard. So okay. as far, I think as, it was literally on-camera stuff, I think. All the conceptual stuff had already been done. They'd done all the work. Okay. Done all the work for that. Was there a um, ma- major difference between working on Ron's production and then Phil and Chris? I, no, I was done by then. I was done by then. Yeah, I never got, yeah, I never got to work. I was already on. Well, I'd, I'd moved to Australia, actually. Man, okay. you've, you've been but all over the place with, with your work. Thailand, with unfortunately. I was facing my final destination, but it didn't work out. There wasn't enough work there. I did I Am Mother. Have you seen I Am Mother? Oh, yeah. I yeah, have On not. Netflix, right? Netflix. Yeah. It's nice. It's a nice little. Yeah, it's a good I mean, one. Like, it's like a four million dollar movie. That was <laughs> like only four million. Something like something crazy. Wow. Like well, you guys did something a damn good job then, because it looked it looked a lot more than and four million dollars. Million of that was Wetter's robot suit. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. um, I mean, we're kind of on a tangent here, but have you been watching Foundation, the uh, Isaac Asimov? like short story based show that David Goyer has on Apple TV plus. 
Oh, I'm not on Apple TV, but I love I, I love all those short things like Death Love and Robots. I feel, and I feel like you you might dig it. it I, again, the best way to sell it is Star Wars Game of Thrones. So I'll I'll leave it at that. But I, I think someone that is into props and sci-fi, and I think you'd like the look of the world. So I've not actually seen Game of Thrones, but all the Game of Thrones costume designers were on the Matrix. They they did the costume on the Matrix while we were doing props. Oh so, wow, that's yeah. It was all the guys from Dublin came over and did the costume in, in Berlin. So everyone gets to meet everyone. It's, it's pretty mad, especially in these big franchises, because when they die, you just need to find something else to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's you no Game move. of Thrones, there's no Star Wars. It's what just like the video game industry. Once a game wraps up, you move on to the next one. Can yeah. you give us any Matrix spoilers? What's the biggest spoiler? The biggest spoiler was I didn't make it to the end of production. There you go. Ugh. All right. Because you're COVID, not in. Uh, it was COVID, uh, COVID screwed with us. Screwed with us. Oh, okay. everything yeah. back a year. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you're not you're not in the Matrix as a background character. We no. Don't see you on screen. Okay. No. No. I'm in Batman, though. You're in Batman. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I just wanted to see. <laughs> so I might uh, be. I should be out of shot. I might be standing there with like a prop in my hand getting shushed out the way <laughs> speaking of that this is fine okay so do you remember in the in the mandalorian season two that one scene where oh yeah where there's, that, there's that guy standing so, there does that ever like are you ever freaked out like being near set in case something like that happens where you're yeah, like oh, on a movie you would get spotted on tv it might slip through that yeah would, that would never happen on the movie there's too many eyes on you. Too many eyes on you. <laughs> yeah, Christian had... Bale would be yelling at you from yeah, you know, the not, camera. <laughs> on, on Casino Royale, I was on set. My friend said, let's go and have a look around. And I wasn't supposed to be there. So I took a ruler. That's what you do. You take a ruler. So you can just be measuring shit. <laughs> <laughs> tips. And Listen I'm, up, people. We got tips. Well, 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 they were like, action. And I was on set. <laughs> <laughs> and Neil's, oh, Neil's pretend like, measuring yeah. the set like he's doing something. That's fantastic. This <laughs> is like my third week, ever, my third day ever in a film at Pinewood. So we've run away. I got away with it. Got away with it. And it was a scene, it was a scene where, uh, uh, what's her name? The Bond girl in that film. Oh, Eva Green. Yeah, well, Eva, Eva Green it drowns. So I was right there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I literally could not have been seen on set. That'd be bad. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just picturing him there with, with, the, with the measuring stick. Like, I think I got yeah. it. I got it. We got it. Don't worry. We're holding it up to random. Yeah, my Nikea Max, top right. <laughs> we got it. It's perfect now. Yeah. That's oh. great. All right, Neil. Well, we're, we've already we've come up on our, our hour time here. I don't want to eat up too much of your evening because I know you're over there in the UK. But before we let you go, I got to ask with with the two most recent projects you've been on, the Batman and the Matrix Four, which one? I've done three uh, since then. Or Fantastic Beasts too, right? But they're rubbish. Joking. <laughs> which two big ones? Two big ones. Yeah. Which which one are you as a as just a consumer of pop culture are you most excited to see hit theaters oh that's hard because both trailers were tight i'm assuming you just checked out the most recent uh, recent uh, recent the batman one from this weekend then no i have not i've just seen the one where he's repeatedly beating that guy in the face even when he's oh, like, yeah, you, you, got, you got a brand new trailer yeah. to check out that they oh, dropped really? this past okay. weekend so um I mean, look, it depends how 
long you're happy to wait for things because the Matrix has been a big long wait yeah. and the Batman has been like a year since we <laughs> last saw him, do you know what I mean, with Ben Affleck. Um, true. They both look like a very different take on the last time we saw them. Okay. Do you know what I mean? They both, the, Matrix, the new Matrix looks very different to Res... Resurrect, Resurrection. Or, um, Resurrection. It was Revolu- Revolutions. Revolutions. Revolution. No, this yeah. is Resurrection, yeah. Yes, this is Resurrection. Um, oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with Batman. I spent the most time on that. It looks the most different to how we've ever seen him before, I think. Okay. There isn't, there's no sort of John Wick thing going on with him, so I'm going to say Batman. Okay. I'm, I'm just uh, trying to figure out which Batman's which now in DC because you still got Affleck showing up in the Flash movie. Now you got Pattinson in the Batman. So you got a thousand I don't know showing up in the Flash movie. I think you should um, do some more research. <laughs> no, I mean they, they just they just said Ben Affleck's in Flash, so maybe I'm reading something yeah. wrong, but. I, no, think, no, no. I know Michael okay. Michael Keaton's in it too because they they tease. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a whole mad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they're doing like a like a multiverse thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a time trap. Yeah, like yeah. Flashpoint yeah, or something like that. Flash, Flash. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. I think the new the Batman. I think is going to be very different. It's like the Joker compared to my Jack Nicholson. Oh, okay. I guess. Like that's how I guess I would describe it because you know quacking phoenix was mental <laughs> it was yeah brilliant. and yeah. not what we expect i'm guessing that's you know i'm guessing i never spent any time on set i just made models in a workshop so we'll see okay we'll see all right neil well love the stories man had some good laughs here we appreciate your time um anytime well, no, it was a pleasure anytime we'd, we'd have you back you were a blast and remember listen to these these tips here if you ever make it to a hollywood set Make sure to bring a measuring stick, okay? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. sure. you sure. never know if you could maybe get in a scene nope. or not. But. <laughs> All right, Neil. <laughs> thanks again for your time, okay. man. Appreciate you, and um, thanks, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, yeah. Take it easy. See you later. Thank you for having me. You got it. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. All right. I like how it said that I I kicked Neil from the chat. We we kick, grace we him. gracefully removed him from the chat. Kicked <laughs> him from the from the call. All right, hold um, on. The show's no, not over. Was... I just got old uh, screens popped up. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Uh, uh, no, it was uh, it was a fun interview. I mean, hearing it from I, I love how we've had so many different aspects of production uh, on our show already through interviews. I mean, with Nick Gillard, we had. The more you know, stunt action-oriented kind of stuff. With Vincent, we had—I uh, mean, with Vincent and Alex, you really kind of had concept art, art yeah. direction, stuff like that. And then now with Neil having props, I mean, you really do kind—if of, you kind of put together their experiences, you get a, a pretty broad range of what you can expect on not only Star Wars projects but just kind of movie sets and, and projects in general. Um, and hearing how each of their their experiences is different depending on the department they're in uh, it, it is really cool. I mean, um, and if it, you know, obviously Neil's resume speaks for itself. Man was the the senior prop maker on Matrix Resurrections, and then all of his other work. Um, he's clearly, you know, at least by Hollywood's estimation, the cream of the crop. You can tell from the from the stuff that he's worked on. So 
it was awesome to get to hear his stories and, and oh no he was i i feel like we kind of had him in a rhythm nick where i i probably could have pushed it an hour and a half two hours but yeah we could um, we definitely could have kept i, kept I didn't i don't want to tie up too much more of his time but no he he had me cracking up on some, some of his stuff <laughs> uh good stuff but yeah you are right i mean if we would have if we would have gotten in Lori Mary Kim at, at the end of last year, I think we would have been covered. We would have had stunts. We've got props. We've got concept art. We've got, you know, pretty much, well, I guess we had stunts through Nick, but it was a, it was Nick, more yeah. of a, a global uh, approach. But Hey, there you go. That's, that's the SWTS for you. Uh, we'll probably be slowing down on interviews like that uh, moving forward just to, you know, to, to kind of wrap up the 2021 season of SWTS, it'll just be uh, us, t- us two idiots unless we get some people from the community on here. I know we we still have a few of the artists out there that we'd like to talk to, but our uh, producer has a real job now. So uh, he said he's not able to track down the big leads uh, these days, uh, which is fine. We're good. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I, <laughs> Nobody's I being paid here. <laughs> yeah. Nick's ready for a break from interviews. I'm kind of ready for a break. And it's it's not a nervous thing. It's just it's it's something that I think about. Right. Like all day today waiting for the show. I'm just thinking about the interview, running it through my head. Where could we go? What am I going to say? Should there be structured questions? How much is Nick going to chime in? Where's he going to take things? It's sometimes I just don't want to deal with that. You know, I just want to think, all right, what, what stupid thing can I say today on the show talking to my man, Nick, but, um, that was awesome. Hey, there's, there's Vincent's in the live stream. Thank you, Vince. That was awesome. He was hilarious, man. Thank you for, for helping us on that one. Um, um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's super fun. I mean, I don't think that we would have ever had a chance to talk to the people that we've talked to and, I think at the beginning of the year, Matt, you put out a like a challenge to us, like, okay, we're gonna do X amount of interviews this year, and I think that we've done that plus some. So, um, I'm I'm super happy with uh, how things yeah how things went this year on the interview oh, circuit. And hey, look, SW Props, SW Props is in here. He needs to get Neil's phone number and just be like, hey, man. What can you yeah, say? You, no you shit, Nick. That's right. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, our boy Props would definitely uh, probably like to go hang out at, at Neil's house or, or get a, a custom yeah. prop from a guy on the set. So, no, that's great. Thank you to those in the stream giving us all the kudos. We do appreciate it. Uh, but like I said, they kind of make my armpits sweat. So I'm feeling a bit wet right now. And I even got a little <laughs> bit of a, a little bit of grease underneath my man titties. But anyways, we're here. Uh, we don't have a lot of stuff to cover today. This was one of the most dead weeks in all of Star Wars that, uh, Nick, I, I think it, it was probably the worst week of 2021 in terms of interesting things to talk about. I've got a fail to talk about. You know, I kind of went out on the limb and, and got some egg on my face, but it's all right. The report was still correct in the end. Uh, but before we get there, Nick, we've got a little uh, word from our sponsor, right? Word? Got a little, got to get in that word yes. from the sponsor who uh, I, we can't really talk about much, but let's just say we're going to have some new things to discuss coming up for November and December that I am excited about um, getting into some new new products from uh, our friends at Manscaped. 
So batting leadoff for the Los Angeles Dodgers is the lawnmower 4.0 from our friends at Manscaped. This fourth generation trimmer is going to help you dodge hairy balls this October like the Orioles dodge the wind column this season. Today's sponsor, Manscaped, are the global leaders in male grooming. And they are trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Swing for the fences and use the right tools for the job with Manscaped for all your hairiest grooming needs. Don't forget, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SWTS at Manscaped.com. All the way through December, that magical code will work for you. And then you could be like us and no longer have these tragic tales to tell your buddies at the bar about how you almost reduced your member by a few inches by trying to trim your pubic hair. Right, Nick? I mean, that just that does not happen when you're using something from Manscaped like the lawnmower 4.0. It does not. It's, it, I mean, hell, I'm not going to say to go do it. But thanks to its 4000K LED spotlight, you may be you may be able to trim your pubes with the lawnmower 4.0 in the dark. Don't take it from me. I'm just telling you the features it has. It's up to you if you're going to try it out. But this bad boy also has a 7000 RPM motor. It's got that ceramic blade to eliminate nicks. It really hums. And of course, it's got that uh, uh, multifunction button with the travel lock for those of you that like to keep your nether regions clean on the road. But that's just the lawnmower 4.0, my friend, right? We, we, we also want to get you engaged with the performance package 4.0. All right, this thing comes with the lawnmower. It comes with the weed whacker, which is the kick-ass ear and nose hair trimmer. Uh, but more importantly... It comes with some amazing liquid formulations that I have fallen in love with. And boy, oh boy, do they keep my boys fresh. I'm talking about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. So those are also in the Performance Package 4.0. Plus two, I'm saying two free, free gifts in the Shed Travel Bag and one of Nick's favorite products from Manscaped the anti-chafing boxer briefs all right my friends so Love you can get all of this great stuff for your balls by going to manscape.com and using swts to get 20 percent off plus free shipping all right so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code swts at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code SWTS. Use Manscaped to enter October with big stick energy. Your mm -hmm. balls will thank you. Okay. Thank you, Manscaped. We appreciate you. Yeah, but hey. like I said, we're, we, we may be having some things coming up for the uh, holiday season. A big push for... Uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and of course, yeah. stocking stuffers and the like, Hanukkah, you never know, what is it, eight days of giving, eight nights of giving, ten, I don't know, don't yell at me, but hey. Manscaped can help you out on one of those nights. They, they have a product for every day. There you you go. can just get a new Manscaped product every day. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I cannot stop sweating. It's like Nick. Nick's getting me, well, I also wear shirts that are Terrence. way too tight. Uh, but up here in the north, man, it, it, it's happening. The, the weather's starting to shift. 
which means the Haywood house isn't going to turn on the heat until November, which ultimately <laughs> means the basement's going to be about 64, 65 degrees. But even even in that even in that climate, I am still leaking. You're still like a sieve here. So anyways. All right, man, let, let, let's kind of yeah. get to it. before we get to our just very light Star Wars topics. Uh, I do want to uh, touch on, and it is kind of timely that we had Neil here. I want to touch on the the DC fandom thing that went over the weekend, just real briefly. Uh, we got the first look at Black Adam, which wink, wink. I may have seen stuff before, can't confirm or deny. Um, but I, I'm kind of excited by that. I mean, I, I've had some of it described to me and it does seem like they're going overly dark with this film. Uh, my man Dwayne's in it. And, and I've, I've heard that he is just an ace when it comes to working on a production like this. Uh, I've been told that, you know, while he may not, you know, be there for 12 hours, 16 hours a day when he shows up, Dwayne's kicking ass, taking names and is as professional as it gets. Uh, but if you did see that clip, man, it, it's it's looking promising. I know Nick didn't have a chance to check some of this stuff out. So uh, I have not Bl- yet. Black Adam, I think, definitely has some potential uh, like we could get That's- some real dark. DC, you know, I know DC is always labeled as being dark, but this looks like it. We could actually, I mean, it should be rated R, in my opinion, Nick. That that's kind of the tone it looked like. That's the one that I'm interested in. I, I mean, like, I don't think that anybody who listens to the show doesn't know that I'm kind of like down on DC. Um, I mean, the latest Suicide Squad movie was it was entertaining. I, I don't know if I would necessarily want to follow up. Um, but I, I really am kind of looking for something to prove to me that DC can be to the level of quality as Marvel movies. And um, I think the closest that we've ever gotten to that was the first Wonder Woman movie. So uh, I, I'm fingers crossed for, yeah. for Black Adam, because like you, I'm a huge fan of The Rock. I mean, it doesn't matter what he's in. I'll watch it. Yep. Saw Jungle Cruise. I've seen everything that he's been in. And he's he's always ace. I mean, dude, I'm and I'm borderline finally, bisexual for The Rock. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say no. He came up for an intimate. <laughs> he's like, hey, hey, Nick, suck my dick, and you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that he. I mean, it's all. It's like a travesty that he hasn't played a superhero already. Right. I mean, he was as close as you could get to a superhero just from his days in the ring in the WWE and then he makes the transition over to film becomes a basically the biggest movie star in the world. Yep. And it takes this long to finally get him, you know, suited up in, in, in an actual superhero film. So I'm super, well, he's been, I'm pretty sure he's been kicking the tires on this one for six years or so. I, I, mm-hmm. I even think his production company yeah. has the rights to black Adam. And I don't know much about the character outside of his kind of the foil to Shazam, I believe. I mean, he's someone that was given that power and then kind of went sideways with it, you know, got got evil instead of good. Uh, the other thing yeah. with, with Dwayne and superheroes, he's going to be probably the first superhero actor that doesn't need one of those muscle suits. Yeah, he does. they'll just be like, OK, it's fine. Actually, just make his shirt a little tight. Yeah, Actually, I mean, make really, I, I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I even think Dwayne would be like, get the fuck out of here with this thing. And, and it's just probably yeah. spandex because he already looks like what they want Ben Affleck to look like when they put the suit on. And, exactly. And it's funny if you, if you go back <laughs> and you watch 
Justice League the first time, not the the re-edit, you can really see like how much Ben Affleck was struggling in life. Like his drinking was off the rails again. He he was getting heavy from it. He looked beleaguered. He looked he looked yeah. he looked awful. But yeah, so uh, Black Adam, high hopes for that. I honestly think just from a, a nostalgic point, I may be more excited for the Flash movie. And that yeah. that's because, I mean, Keaton's in it. It's confirmed. You, you got like a very brief tease this weekend at Fandome. Uh, I, I know Affleck is going to be in it. I, I'm not sure. Neil must have thought I was talking about something else, but uh, I'm positive Ben Affleck is in the Flash uh, because yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like to me, Nick, I, I don't know if you ever watch. I, I believe the cartoon's called Flashpoint. Um, Flash, I've seen, I haven't seen Flashpoint, but I used to watch the Flash on, uh, CW and well, I know that this, this would, would have been one of, you know, you know how DC, we make fun of for their live action films. I believe in terms of their cartoon universe for the DC movies, there's some of the best comic book cartoons out there. And, and yeah. this would have been a cartoon. And, and those of you that are more in the know, feel free to chime in on the live stream. But I, I know there's a cartoon where Flash, I believe he goes back and saves his mom. And that act essentially spawns different timelines. Yeah, multiple. And they, that happened in the live action. Okay. Too, yeah. So I think the Flash movie is going to be somewhat based on that. And that's why you're going to have the Aflac Batman. I'm guessing Keaton's going to play the older Batman. It looks like they're going to include the 1989 Batmobile, which in my opinion is still the greatest of all time Batmobiles. Um, and then finally, we, we got a, a trailer for the Batman and the intern and I were talking after it came out and we were both kind of like, eh, meh. And then out of nowhere, stunt guy comes in. And again, I have to preface this. This dude hates everything these days. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing is good enough in the movie business for stunt dude. So he comes at me. He's like, dude, the Batman fucking kick ass. It's awesome. Like, okay, me and this guy, our wavelengths are completely separated at this point in time. Because I, I was expecting him, too, to be like, yeah, whatever, Batman, yeah, I'll go see it. But nothing really juiced me. And I've, I've watched the trailer a few more times and it has grown on me. But I guess, Nick, I'm someone now, I believe Pattinson is going to be, in my short life, the seventh fucking Batman. Okay? I had Keaton, yeah. Kilmer, yeah. Clooney, um, one of the best, what's his name? Bale, Affleck. Yeah. And now Pattinson. Okay. And my other question is, and like I was saying to Neil, and he probably thought I was nuts. We have the Batman and we have Flash with Affleck's Batman. All I'm assuming the same DC universe. So who the fuck is the real Batman these days? Is it going to be Pattinson or is, is that like a whole, it, that's just like its own little one-off thing that's going to tie in with, yeah, with, with the Joker. I mean, what, 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 that that's what it's it's getting so confusing because you have all like you have all these converging movies that don't have like what marvel was really good at was was connecting threads between individual movies and it made it made sense that everybody was in the same universe like dc has done a terrible job of that like they're not very good at tying their films together and now that you have pattinson batman and Affleck Batman existing in the same time period. Like I'm assuming the Keaton Batman might be like, Oh, we went to like an alternate 
universe or we went to like that like you said that the 80s timeline where he's still batman or something but like these two people exist in the same space and time so i don't know man Bat- batman like it, it's getting to the point to where like this this is probably going to be a wait for hbo for me even though it's probably going to be on hbo max pretty pretty fucking soon after it releases okay because that's how all the dc shit works um yeah dude i don't know if i can get invested in it because it's like okay this batman movie comes out and it doesn't do well just like the last one so what are they gonna who's gonna be the next fucking batman are they just gonna make another batman movie with a new guy it it, it goes back to your original point and comparing it to the mcu it's just i mean dc's been trying to play catch up for years now and they've sadly failed multiple times so it's almost like they do have to do a full reboot again and you'd think they would use the batman to build off of that let's just just yeah. steal the fucking formula how how hard is it right just steal the formula it can't be that put, hard. put stingers at the end that loop into the next movie and rinse and repeat yeah. but they just it's like they, look, they refuse to do it <laughs> yeah it's like you don't have to match them tonally like you don't have to make your movies semi-comedic you don't have to have no you can you know i like the dark and gritty shit but you need a it's the same shit we bitched and moaned about over the years with, Star, yeah. with the sequel trilogy. You can't just yeah, exactly. plug and play artists and directors and characters and, and think that's going to create cohesion in the end. Oh, well. All right. There we go. Um, yeah, I, there's really nothing else interesting going on. I, I still can't stop playing games from 10 years ago, so I haven't tried out anything new. Did finish Squid Game. Uh, I did take Nick's advice. I, I took your advice and yeah. did the dub, and boy, is it sucky, but it is better than trying to read. So, um, yeah, I mean, you kind of get used to it because we did, we're on episode six now, so we haven't watched it yet, but we did one with dub, we did episode one with dub, and then we did episode two with sub with the subtitles, and we were like, look, I get it. Like, yeah, the voices sound like you're actually hearing the spoken voice of the person. So you don't have that like disconnect between the voice and the person. But it's like even Taylor said, she's like, yeah, it's really it's a lot harder for me to look at my phone while I have to read. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) you see how terrible we all are. I I, I had a a fit last night where it's like we, we all gather the Haywoods gather on the couch to kind of put put the family to bed. And there you there you have it little one on an ipad dad holding his phone mom holding her phone and i was just like we suck we suck i've already failed my kid i know the the moment she can get one she's gonna be asking for one i know once she has one she's gonna be just like myself and heather like two crackheads they're just like this all the time like oh i'm gonna miss the latest news beat that's gonna depress me and make me want to fucking leave the country big deal it's but i can't break free I can't do it. Yeah. The, the, Swago's another but, uh, thing that sucks me back in every night to, to the um, it, it, it digital It always crack. holds on. To, it like for me for a while, like since I haven't really been playing a game on my phone, like I've been able to kind of keep it, keep it under wraps. Like, you know, put the phone down, mess more with, you know, just what's on the TV or, yeah. or, or whatever else. But like, it, it is hard. Like if you're watching a subtitled show, oh, it's impossible. It, it, it it, like you, you wander because you're like, you know, the, the information is not being instantly processed right. by your brain. So it just and, it, and then it we felt are now, to me like when I was watching it with the dub on, doesn't it 
look like a bad lip reading sketch. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah. oh yeah. Okay. And yeah. it's like, oh yeah. And those, you know, obviously they're they're trying to match the mouth to what the, the Korean they're saying with the English, and it's never gonna line up. So it looks no, like yeah. one of those, you know, the bad lip reading of the Super Bowl where they just make up random <laughs> words that jam into the person's face movements. Um but I, I liked it. I, I would be down for a sequel. I will not um spoil. I know uh, Trevor was upset that I I dropped Soprano spoilers, but I, I'll never feel bad for a show that's from okay, 2007. Well, they, so yeah, but say the, the Soprano spoilers like moratorium ended a long well, time I, I ago. He, Look, I know. I, they, I think he thought that you had never seen it. Where I was explaining okay, to that, you yeah. that Taylor would have that one thing spoiled if you yeah. if you decide to watch yeah, no, the movie. I, 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 yeah, I I I knew that. But she she did not. So, I mean, we ended up watching Many Saints of Newark anyway. And I t- I was like, hey, just a heads up, like this is in it. It's going to spoil something. But it's uh, after that, it's pretty clean. Like you don't have to. Yeah, worry no, about it too really. I mean, what'd you think? It is, it is pretty. It is kind of a, just a good mafia movie, right? I, I, yeah, I liked it. Um, I, it's 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 interesting to me that like. I feel like the way they pumped that movie up was they were a lot more focused on like the story of young Tony Soprano. Like before I had seen anything about it, that's kind of how they sold it. Oh yeah. It was like, you're going to get the story of Tony, like (laughs) young Tony through Dickie. And I was like, okay, well cool. And then you watch it and you get like 10 minutes of Tony in this whole thing. And I'm like, okay, well that's clearly not what they did. Uh, It was still interesting. It was still a good mob movie. Um, I mean, was it to the level of like these old gangster flicks that you would see from Martin Scorsese, like, no, you know, Goodfellas or Casino or even, you know, like definitely not Godfather level or anything like that. But, you know, there there are threads that are kind of linked to the Sopranos. If you like the show, then you can point back and be like, oh, yeah, Junior is a dick just like he was back you know uh, in the in the show and Fuck, stuff like I hate that junior's you know, a cocksucker i mean i hate that guy he, in sopranos really. i hate him in this one um uh, <laughs> yeah. well this week big one at least in the states i think in the uk it's already out um and i'm definitely either hitting it thursday night and getting covid or going friday but dune i i just dune i have a feeling Eternals, yeah i have a feeling dune is going to be the movie of the year for me it could be one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time um after i watch it but i'm just yeah i don't read reviews but it's hard to miss just some of the the hype that has been around i mean this thing's been screened for months now and it's finally hitting us common folk in the theaters and it's just been pumped up and pumped up and pumped up but knowing dennis and what he's made before and the cast I need to see this right away. I, I just, I really am not trying to go Thursday night on the early opening. Cause I know I live in an urban area and it's going to be fucking slammed. I mean, it is going to be slammed. No one's going to be doing the right thing. So I'm probably going to have to delay it till Friday afternoon ish. But I, I mean, I am going to do everything in my power, even if it kills me to go see Dune this week. Yeah. Dune is definitely on my list. Um, I've also heard, Good things about the Eternals. Did you read the Dune? But I've never read Dune. Nah, fuck so no. Like, I, I, I mean, I've my okay. only reference to Dune is like the the campy '84 film that my parents showed me when yeah. I was four, and I was just like, "What the fuck are we watching?" Like, and yeah. he's just. Yeah. I just remember. I think Baron Harkonnen, that big like fat guy with plugs in his belly, flying around, and then <laughs> Sting was in it. So that, that that's what I remember yeah. from the original Dune. So uh, no, I'm going in clean again. 
haven't referenced the old movie, haven't checked out the books. I mean, obviously words and shit are a struggle for me and I've heard it's, it's a pretty lengthy type of book. And I believe this movie is only telling part one. I think Dennis is planning to do at least two more films to cover the entire novel. So, uh, but I'm pumped and Hey, it's got Zendaya in it. Maybe we'll see Tom Holland show up on the red carpet and Tom (laughs) Daya in effect. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super excited about that. I've heard good buzz about Eternals. Yeah, recently. I saw that today. Uh, I, I'm guessing Nick, would they have? Uh, I'm I'm guessing press screeners have happened because it seemed like today in yeah. general, which makes sense, it's Tuesday. But a ton of buzz on my um, Hootsuite today about Please. Eternals yeah. getting pumped up. So yeah, and hey, just just for those of you who are listeners to the Star Wars Time Show, I know that. uh we we talked with with Nick Allard and he had an un uh, a project that he couldn't mention that he was working on for for oh, Marvel. Oh yeah, and you guessed and, it was this, and we, right? We have, yeah, we have some some potential that it could be the Eternals movie. So um, you may get to see a little bit of uh, Nick Allard's work. Yeah, because I mean, he he pretty much said it. It was a fucking shit show, and he was brought yeah. into. <laughs> How about that? I I mean, I love the fact that Neil did his homework and actually watched some of our stupid show I before know, he came right? on, he, and and he and he was calling out Gallard. He's like, man, he, that's a guy that talks like he doesn't want to work again. <laughs> I'm just like, I know. He's, uh, but you could tell, like, Nick's been in the business for such a long yeah, he, time, he and you could fuck. tell he was like, you know what, man. If somebody's going to say that I can't work on a movie because of something I said on a dumb podcast that maybe a thousand people listen to, then guess what? <laughs> they can go fuck themselves. Uh, he's great. I still like, need to was, send him a hat. He was great. Yeah, yeah, I need to send Nick a hat. I just, I, I know they were on yes. like a lockdown and post was all fucked up and, and I'm just lazy, but it is in the cards to get him a hat. I still need to ship out the, our giveaway prizes. So that shows you how motivated I am these days. All right, so Trevor says he tried watching the 84 movie again, almost unwatchable. All right, I just I won't even mess with it. I'll just go in clean. Uh, yes, I am doing theaters. I know Dune is hitting HBO Max day and date, but trust me, yeah. I am a audio and visual file. I've I've been a huge cinema lover. That was the biggest thing I missed with all this shit and I I probably don't go as much as I used to because I just can't trust my fellow man these days. Uh, but this one, I'm 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 going to the theater. I would have I've loved to have seen James Bond at this point. Haven't made it. I want to check out the last duel in theaters too. Just haven't made it. You know, when you got a little kid and two working parents, Matt loses out on some of the fun time, and that's just how it, it is. Sucks. That's just how it is. I did yeah. get out and and had a little bit of a photo shoot yesterday though, so that's always positive. All right, buddy, let's go ahead and run through these quick topics we got, and then put the show to bed here after the fan segment. So. This is kind of a, a no nothing, a nothing burger, as they call it on the, the far right these days. But I, I want to address it. Just, you know, people don't think we're, we're jerk offs here. I'm a jerk off. But uh, last week, after a, a discussion with our source, uh, who may or may not know people within the business side of Lucasfilm, Gave me some juicy details to run with and, and I ran with them and I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and apologize. And I'm talking about the, the post we had last week about Mando uh, getting shut down due to the impending IATSE strike. And if you would have read the report in full, it was it was pretty much like, hey, the only way this is going to get saved is by an 11th hour miracle. And while I 
was kind of dramatic with the title. You know, I, I wouldn't call it a Mike Zero clickbait thing, but I definitely uh, dramatized the title to entice clicks. But if you read the article and if you've been following the tea leaves and following the story to its end, the article technically was not incorrect because while the, the business side of Lucasfilm was feeling like, yeah, nothing's we're putting in plans in place. 11th hour miracle, Hollywood this, Hollywood that. That's the only thing that's going to save it. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. So Saturday night, a few hours before this was all supposed to go down, the strike that is. And it was between the IATSA and the, I, I believe the AMPTP. So essentially producers versus the help is what it was. Um, but they yeah. got it done. And if you read some of the quotes from the president of the IATSA, it literally was like, yeah, this was a Hollywood-esque ending. So while we may have missed on the meat and, and things in the strike actually coming through, there were enough caveats, enough outs in the report that I'm not going to sit here and feel bad for running the story, even though yeah. some other Star Wars sites want me to. All right. Now, Matt. I know that there were recently some announcements of like a ton of Marvel movies being delayed. That was like, crazy. Uh, that was, I think yesterday yeah. or, today, or maybe just today. I think it was, I think it was today. Do you know, I mean, like you probably, I mean, I don't know if you know, but do you think that it's connected to this potential, you know, like work stoppage that was going to happen or there's just I, not, not connected I, at all? No, I think it's just a, it's the continual unbutt fucking of COVID and dealing with COVID. I mean, running a movie production these days is fundamentally different than 2019. Uh, just yeah. just talking to people that that work in it. I mean, it's test everybody shields mask. If you're on set, you got to be wearing this. You can't be doing that. I mean, you got to shut down. Of, or you know, some people may have to quarantine. So I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's multiple factors attributed to the new way of producing movies in COVID. But Nick's right. The entire lineup of the MCU films in 2022 has been shifted two or three months apiece. Um, yeah. I think we were supposed to start getting stuff in the spring. That's all now not going to be till midsummer. And then some of the stuff that was supposed to be summer has now been pushed to the fall of 2022. Not canceled, uh, but months, months delays. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I would think that the, the business people are smart enough to both plan for a potential strike while also not delaying yeah, current delay productions. So I, I, I'm going with COVID is probably the real reason. Um, and it could be yeah. other, I mean, it could be supply chain stuff. I mean, think about that's the why we can't chain issues are, I mean, it's fucked up everywhere, serious, but right? real bad here yeah. because I mean, first and foremost, we don't have enough ports equipped to accept modern shipping ships. I mean, I believe in America, most stuff has to go to the West coast because, uh, ports in the South and in the East, uh, from what I've read are not deep enough to handle some of these new mega carriers. Um, but yeah, it, it could be supply yeah. stuff. It, you never know. But yeah, um, Disney just kind of punted mm -hmm. everything about two months apiece in 2022. Yeah. So the question is, uh, Nick, interesting time. Is that going to bleed over into the TV stuff that Disney has planned for 2022? So who knows? I, I know, right? I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, for the time being, the 11th hour save happened and Mando season three right. will be continuing their normal and, and production you know schedule. What? 
as as someone that would like to kind of get make a name for the site and himself, I'm okay taking the loss on that exclusive because it means yeah, I know, right? it means people are getting paid, they're getting what they want, and Mandalorian is not delayed. So in the end, I'll, I'll take the we're loss. We're getting what we. Yeah, yeah, we'll take. That I actually just that got one, a report for making Star Wars in my email, but I I don't want to say anything until I um make sure it's I say it the right way, but um he he's he just gave me a tip so it seems like we're we're uh in the know now with msw there we go look at that I, he actually invited me to go on the show last friday but oh an old buddy was in town with his little girl so we had to have a dad a dad and daughter date type of thing which was dad great and yeah, that was fun that's cool but yeah I, I think i could probably become a rotating guest on msw if i find some free yeah. time all right, so uh, moving on, this this actually just came out, the I think, late last night or this morning, but we got a few more details about the Boba Fett special plan for Disney Plus Day, which is uh, November 12th, I believe. We actually have a title now, and I think it, it, it gives us clarity as to what to expect. It, it's going to be called Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett. So like we yes. were kind of speculating when we, we saw that there was going to be a Boba Fett special, this is going to be more akin to those little Marvel Legends shorts they did on Disney Plus to kind of prime you for the character-driven shows like Loki, <clears throat> Jesus, excuse me, WandaVision, uh, and uh, Captain America, and, and all that jazz. Um, yeah. But in the, they kind of just did a trailer for Disney Plus Day, and in it, we actually did get some screenshots, and you know, I captured them for us. Uh, but it looks like we are just going to get a journey of the character. It looks like there's going to be some BTS footage sprinkled in from the OT, uh, maybe special edition shows, shoots. Um, but I, I, I do not think, at least during Under the Helmet, you're going to get any sort of deep dive or, or clear footage of the new movie. Now, of course, they're, they're probably going to lead up into it towards the end of this special. Like, and now this is where the character is at. And maybe you'll get some shit there. Uh, but this is this Boba Fett special for Disney Plus Day is definitely going to be more for people that are not familiar with the character to kind of prime them for his arrival yeah. on December 29th. Yeah, I mean, there. Th this just goes to show you that like Disney is all in on the Boba Fett hype train. Like they are, yeah. they're they're sparing no expense when it comes to the production, and then also just building the character even more than the the legend had already been built. I mean, if there's some people know Boba Fett from the original trilogy movies and don't know anybody else, like like he was that type of firebrand character. Even even though who's only in the movies for a total of maybe ten minutes, um, but I, I do think it's cool that it's kind of it's going to be like a retrospective on the character. I assume that Tem's going to be involved at some point, yeah. maybe towards the end. Um, but it is all it's always cool to see essentially how this character came about from concept to reality, and then now to stardom in his own uh his own feature so yeah I mean, he, he essentially Should went be. from a living prop in the original trilogy <laughs> to being a a titular character as nick said i mean it, it's it's the book of boba fett for a reason right it's not about our buddy din although i know din's gonna be in it take it to the bank they're boys now they're bros like look my chain code all the memes that came from that i mean come on <laughs> you know they, they they have to be friends when after boba showed din all those funny videos on his uh, gauntlet there yeah what do you how long do you think this is going to clock in then 
You think like half hour, 45 say, minutes or less? I was going to say, yeah, like 45, I'd say 45 minutes is safe. I don't think they'll go an hour because it's not like a BTS of book. And it's probably going to be focused more on, like the title says, the, like the, the, the legacy of the character, not necessarily what is the future of the character or what's coming up soon for the character. They're probably going to say, yeah, I, I can even see post- like some clone wars footage getting thrown in there because he, he has some fairly decent development yeah. via the clone wars. Um, but I mean, th- th- some of the screenshots people are like, Oh man, is this new? And if you actually look, he's on stage with Warwick Davis somewhere. So this is like either a, a cosplay or just some, you know, jerky thing they did at, at a celebration or a fan event. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I know I've seen this before where you'll essentially have a Boba Fett cosplayer interacting with Warwick during other, like during a, a regular event. Um, I don't think, I mean, obviously that's not Jeremy, Jeremy Bullock in that suit. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it'll probably just explore the, the fandom around the character itself and not necessarily the people who play him. Yeah. I mean, you know, because he had, I mean, like Boba Fett's become a, an entirely, uh, independent character just due to fan love for him and like fans blowing him up more than anything else. So I wonder if they'll explore that side of it, just like the fan reception and then everything that spawned from it, cosplay and, and all that other stuff. For, for both of that so yeah i just uh, uh should be interesting i want to know what he was eating in the dune sea to put on all that weight because i mean if you, you look at know, one man. of these screen caps and this is you know jeremy's fat he's a slim guy uh, I, yeah. I like the the more broad fat thames fat you know i mean clearly he's a bigger badass so neo's my guy but you know just like i have a few times in my life it looks like he threw on about 50 or 60 pounds in a in a clip and yeah, he's just he's he's living his best life these days. As Nick gives us some cat butthole to, yeah, to check out. <laughs> I actually had that. Was, I was doing a, a Zoom session with my students, and girl cat Leia gets up and almost like she was trying to start her 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 very own OnlyFans, just straight <laughs> cat ass and and cat vagina right into the camera. Uh, for my poor students uh, to uh, enjoy. So I had to, I had to <laughs> let her know that that was not the right time to start that type of career in revenue stream for the household. Inappropriate. <laughs> later, later. We'll, we'll discuss it later. Yeah. So, um, um, but yeah, I mean, you're like in this video, we have the Matt link, the, the video in here, like you literally get, I think it's four seconds <laughs> of, of a uh, view at the Boba Fett. Oh yeah. Stuff, no, so I, I, t- I took the screenshot. There's like six total screenshots, yeah. Nick. It's, it's just him standing there in a black <laughs> uh, gray background, him on the, uh, Bespin set him in the slave one. And then him looking like the bozo that he was in the OT getting ready to crash into the sail barge and not yeah. die, but we <laughs> thought he died at the time. Uh, so just remember exactly. this is, this is dropping November 12th. That's going to be Disney plus day. All sorts of new shit dropping on Disney Plus, not just Star Wars. And I am expecting to get some form of proper tease for the book of Boba Fett on that day as well, if not before. But as we've been talking, I mean, now that we know book is December 29th, I really don't think they're going to be in any rush to trailer it. So that's why I'm I'm thinking now November 12th is probably going to be the earliest we are going to see some book footage, period. And I'm hoping some of the other shows give us a little, you know, 
Taint Tickle. Like yeah, Kenobi, Andor, yeah, Bad Batch. I mean, I, I want little updates on all of them because I'm a greedy bastard. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling. Is what, what, what day is November 12? Is this going to be a sucky day for me? Is it like midday week or November 12th is a Friday? Yeah, I like it. I'll be able to dive <laughs> in just in case I got to do any of my Star Wars fan content OCD that I get wrapped up in. Like, oh my god, I got to make this so 10 people can watch it. Like, it's a sickness, my friends. It is a sickness. Most people would have gotten the clue by now, but not me. I still feel like I guess that, I feel uh, like that there's there's that one person out there sitting in their mother's basement that's going to go fucking a that that guy in that channel deserves some credit. I mean, I just we got a comment this week. Nick, I'll, I'll, let me read it for you. Actually, I can't pull it up because we're on the stream now, but it said, man, you really deserve more followers and views. And I was like, preach, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Preach. I, I agree Go with you. Go tell him. I agree with you. So November 12th, Disney Plus Day. Also the day we'll be getting under the helmet, the legacy of Boba Fett. Plus, I think what um, Shang-Chi hits. Jungle Cruise hits for everyone. Jeff Goldblum's Goofy series gets some new episode, which I'm excited for just because he is such an oddity to watch. And that's what makes it entertaining. Yes. Um, but yeah, Disney Plus, they're out there flexing their muscle these days. And I saw a report, Nick, I think it's like by 2025 or something. They believe they will have doubled Netflix's user base. It wouldn't surprise me, man. It would not surprise me. I mean, they have a lot of things going for them in terms of bundling, which makes it cheaper than just base Netflix. Like yeah. right now I pay $15 a month for base Netflix. That's the 4K, you know, right. the, 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 the best one. And I only pay, I pay less than $14 a month or $15 a month for the entire Disney Plus bundle. I mean... So you have people that are getting it on the bundle. You have people that are just getting the base subscription, which is way cheaper than Netflix. Yeah. And then their original content is, is actually what drew people to Netflix and droves originally, Marvel, you know, the ben, Marvel yeah, original content yep. is what kind of blew Netflix up. And now they have that. So uh, I don't see any reason why they couldn't do that in, in five years. Yeah, they and they're, they're, be at the tip they're also not dealing with the, um, I mean, call it what you will, but what Netflix is dealing with right now, at least from a, a PR standpoint with the Chappelle special. Yeah. Say what you will about Dave and the special, but Netflix and their, their top dogs are not looking great these days and kind of getting dragged. And, and some of them should, and I'm not going to get into like all the, 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 the political and social justice stuff, but uh, let's just say they probably have should have talked about some of the things that they have said publicly before they said them publicly. Um, not, not good looks. Cause I, I actually have a, a family member that's high up over there and he's just like, yeah, dude, it's, it's been tense as fuck these past two weeks here and they're having like a walkout tomorrow. It's all crazy, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's Disney plus wild, isn't dealing with it? any of that currently. Yeah. The Disney plus stuff is, uh, I mean, it's a family friendly streaming platform, so you're not going to have to deal with firebrand issues like that more than likely. Speaking yeah. of bundles, because I, I my Disney Plus, I don't think I pay more than three ninety nine because I did that super deal where if you signed yeah. up for four years, it's like free almost. Did you pull yeah. the trigger on the Paramount Plus thing we talked about? Because I, I, I have not, one more day was, to decide. Really? Okay, I didn't, but I was I was talking about it with 
uh, with Taylor the other day. I was like, they got like, we could get Paramount plus they got this bundle. It's only 10 bucks, blah, blah, blah. But like, I just don't think I'm going to use it. Even if I did get it, like if anything, I'll just do the solo Paramount plus for X amount of time while we're watching whatever, and then let that lapse and and then come back to it. But yeah, I I think I'm going to be skipping out on the, the showtime bundle. All right. Yeah. I I've been hemming and hauling too. Cause I'm a fan of discovery. I'm a fan of all the star Trek shows on Paramount plus. I think they're fantastic. And I know Discovery yeah. Season 4 is coming back next month, so I'm like, I'm going to be re-upping my Paramount Plus anyways. Should I jump in and bundle it with Showtime? I think if you do if you do Mac Daddy of both, so Paramount Plus, which no ads and all that hunky-dory, and if you add Showtime, it's something like $14.99 a month, I believe. Yeah. Which isn't Yeah, horrible. and then you can get that. The ad supported one is 10, so you can even right. Yeah, ad supported 10 or or if I just did Paramount, no ads, it would be 10 itself. Yeah, Um, I don't know. Like I said, the the offer goes dead tomorrow. So I was just seeing if you were going to push me off the ledge or pull me back a bit. I think you just (laughs) pulled me back. I don't think. Yeah, I'm going to pull you back because honestly, if you look at Showtime selection, the the only thing that you would probably watch is Dexter. New Dexter. Yeah. But we don't even like I don't even know when that's happening. And, and I like, feel I don't like know if there's I would want to watch that with Heather and she's never seen the original. So we, we probably have at least yeah. two, two, three months of of catch up there because. Uh, yeah, exactly. We're working through succession right now. And hot damn, am I glad we decided on that one next? Because that is a fucking show. Love that. Really? Yeah, okay. that's so, on HBO. It's it's we're only in the middle or like the middle of season two. Season three, I believe, just dropped on Sunday of this week. So no spoilers. Uh, <laughs> I just I love it. I, I love it. I, I can't tell if it's a if it's satire, if it's comedy, if it's drama. But it's to me what it, it's probably like to be a, a Murdoch. Right. Uh, being that family (laughs) running a huge media empire and you know Rupert owns most news around the world whether you knew that or not Fox News being probably his biggest poison Uh, but they they kind of parallel that stuff with the Roy family and I just it's fucking fantastic like uber rich wealthy people I imagine act just like these scumbags and I think that's why I like it so much (laughs) it's like these people are awful humans just awful yeah. they're awful to each other they're awful to us what they call the normals the normos <laughs> it's just good stuff all right so um our last little the topic last we got we got some story time for you and I, I said i wouldn't be doing these anymore but guess what this was the culmination of the war of the bounty hunters so we at least have to pay off on the summer long tease of all right well why did this happen? What? Why did Crimson Dawn steal Han Solo steal. to fuck with Boba Fett and, and to get the, the whole galaxy engaged? And uh, we finally got that answer. And it, and it looks like things are going to continue into a, a at least two more miniseries starring Crimson Dawn, Kira and the like. So, Nick, um, I, I believe a few of the crossover issues are, are still going to have the War of the Bounty Hunters thing, but. At this point, the main plot was resolved in War Number Five, and I'll try to summarize yeah. it as quickly as possible. But Boba was fantastic. All right, he was fantastic throughout this miniseries. Uh, for people like me, 
and you didn't have much respect for him outside of the Neo version that was introduced in The Mandalorian, this is what you need to realize how he can be that guy cracking heads, you know, kicking ass, taking names and all that fun stuff in the, in the Mandalorian. So where, what happens in this final issue? They, they finally just, they get off the pot, right? You know, you know, shit or get off the pot. They've been shitting for a long time and now they finally got off the (laughs) pot and, you know, make a, a long story short. Solo does end up getting taken to the, executor executor however you want to call it vader's capital ship the big one piet's the one that piet uh commands for him so yeah yeah, i mean at one point in time the empire had han solo in carbonite in the when one of their hangars the interesting thing here is boba's plan because you know he's like well shit the the ship took off we can no longer do what we plan to do board it get him and, and get out so what boba does he he just fucking drives the slave one up to the executor and, and radios in. He's like, Hey guys, it's me. Remember me, Boba Fett? <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, sir, his, his code does check out. It's kind of old. And he is a member of the bounty hunter guild. And I think, you know, something like Vader, one of maybe one of Vader's guys. So Piet's like, Oh yeah, fuck it. Let him in. So, I mean, the, the, the empire <laughs> just lets yeah. Boba Fett land because at one point in time he had a code that work and he's in the bounty hunter guild. You got to remember, he's still with Valance. They they kind of have a a very tense partnership right now, and and yeah. they both agreed like, listen, we'll we'll help each other until we will no longer help each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, just as it looks like they, they they're still going to need each other's help, they're on board the ship. They're they're tracking down the the carbonite package. <laughs> Boba's like, hey man, do you remember they? Uh, the deal we had and Valance is like, yeah, yeah. When, when it's time, we'll, we'll just do our thing and may the best man win. <laughs> and as he's saying that you see a thermal detonator flying through the air, sticks to the dude's chest and just explodes his cybernetic body <laughs> wide open. And Boba Fett's like, yeah, by the way, that time is now my friend. And he's like, you should look into yeah. another profession. So it was just, just, he has, yeah, he has a code but he's also a <laughs> cocksucker and it just, it was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, this guy Valance helped them. They were still working with each other. And just as Boba figures like, you know what? I really don't need him anymore. As they're talking about their deal, he just throws a sticky grenade at his chest and takes him out. So, um, we leave Valance with his guts just exploded. Like machine parts are all <laughs> over the place. He's taken out. So while this is going on, don't forget the rebels were also kind of stranded in space chasing after this Imperial shuttle. And now they're fucked too. Yes. Cause Leia's like, we fucked up. Luke's a pussy Lando. You couldn't fix the ship quick enough. They got him. But here's where something interesting happens. They actually get some radio chatter from the executor saying, Hey, um, that Carillion freighter out there, you are cleared to land in hangar X, Y, Z. And they're all like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> the Empire is inviting the Millennium Falcon onto one of their onto their super star destroyer. So hmm. so they 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 hmm. they land because Lando's like, you know what? Something feels familiar about this this message and what's happening right now. And when they land, an Imperial officer comes out and essentially says, I'm with Crimson Dawn. We're helping you. <laughs> Kira 
really kind of want you guys to actually get Han back. That Her plan was not for Han to actually get stolen. While she did steal him herself, her plan was to ultimately save him and return him to the Rebel Alliance. So you learn, oh, wow. and, and I think this is going to be a, this is going to kind of play out big over the next miniseries coming down the pike. You learn that Crimson Dawn has infiltrated the Empire at this point in time. They have agents yeah. as officers in the Empire. All right, so the Rebels, they make it to Han's location. They're, they're getting ready to unfreeze him, and who do you think shows up? Boba Fett. He's like, not so fast, motherfuckers. This dude's mine. Like I, I told you guys before, like I won't kill you as long as you don't mess with my job here. It's part of my my code, my my yeah. honor code. And it just as about just as it's about to get hairy for the rebels, while they're doing their thing outside, the huts are still being idiotic, right? And they are now attacking <laughs> the executor with their fleet shooting it throw missiles at it it's really not doing anything but you know they're a nuisance and one of these missiles hits right where everyone's at with han solo rips a hole in the hall and what do you think happens han solo flies the fuck out in the space he's like he's like he pulls a layer yeah exactly nick you're right he, he, he's a super super han but at least he's in carbonite so you don't have to justify yeah, how a, a human can be out in space for that long so right there, the rebels are like, okay, well, nothing we can do. And Boba Fett, again, just fantastic man. He's like, well, sucks for you guys. I'm out and just dives out the hole <laughs> and, and flies away. Uh -huh. right? Cause he's got, he's got a jet pack on. And yeah, I guess that helmet on. that you can still see his skin is somehow uh, hermetically sealed for, for um, zero G <laughs> space, whatever. Right. It's science fiction. We're not going to pick, pick on the physics, yeah. but he actually, is flying through space uh, trying to fish Han Solo back. And he actually, I guess Han, maybe they weren't all the way in the atmosphere because Han falls down to the planet, meaning he wasn't technically in space, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but he has a last second save. Like he angles the shit out of it, pulls him out of the ocean, flies away. Boba Fett gets Han back. All right. So that's how he got him back. It was, it was kind of fluky, but also through his ruthlessness and the way he dealt with his fellow bounty hunters because by the end he had taken out or inflicted pain on every major bounty hunter i believe outside of ig88 and that's only because darth vader took care of him i mean he fucked yeah. up zuckus he fucked up forlom he fucked up dangar and valance <laughs> at the end so well, if we need any reason for the for the general bounty hunters to hate Boba Fett's return to the to the game and in, in book, now we know why. <laughs> We're perfectly set up for skirmishes between these former bounty hunting oh, yeah. uh, allies. Yeah, there's there's a lot of bad blood at this point after War of the Bounty Hunters. There's there's no doubt about it. So, just to wrap it up, we did get an epilogue. And this is where things get kind of interesting for future Star Wars comics. And I'm thinking maybe even some live action. So mm -hmm. you kind of get some exposition. Kira is talking to her brood like, hey, this was a good day. Yada, yada, yada. While I didn't intend for Han to get captured, I really did want to save him. And for reasons we understand, 
she's like our our ultimate goal was achieved so this was like the other main thing of war of the bounty hunters why was crimson dawn doing this after all and what we learned is her main plan was to fuck up the huts in their relationship with the empire and she achieved because what i have not talked about yet remember boku was attacking stuff nick Palpatine radios into his buddy Vader and is like, hey, man, quit quit playing tag with your son and go deal with these assholes. And, and just, you know <laughs> oh, what? No. We're not going to blow up their ships and make an example that way. You're going to go ahead and make an example for me. So what Vader does is he lands on the Hut capital ship and murders the entire Hut council. So Boku and, and all the other Hut council, like the council of the Huts, he kills them all. And that's ultimately what Kira was looking for. She wanted to drive a wedge in between the relationship the Empire had with the Huts, so the Dawn yeah. could continue to hey. kind of work themselves into that position. Interesting. Here's the really I mean, interesting thing, and while I think it it may show up in future Star Wars, as she's giving this speech, we're, we're looking at like panels, reflect like reflection panels, like we have new enemies and sh they show Dr. Afra, but we may have yeah. new um, allies and they, sh allies. they show Valance because he got fucked over by Fett and obviously Fett's not going to like uh, Don and Don's not going to like Fett. But then it shows the, 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 the hall or the room they're in where she's addressing Crimson Dawn. And who the fuck's there with her? Ren of the Knights of Ren. And in oh, like two, two or three of the knights that we see in the Rise of Skywalker. So one wow. can assume now via canon through the comic books that the Knights of Ren were a part of Crimson Dawn. Which yeah. to me, Nick, and this is why I asked the question of the week this week, could potentially play into the book of Boba Fett if they are going to kind of tap into him becoming a warlord, a gangster, and, you know, Crimson Dawn is more than likely still out and about. Uh, Knights yeah. of Ren tied the First Order. Is Crimson Dawn tied the First Order? Were their agents within the Imperial first eventually became First Order? So I think what we're getting here, my friends, is more hindsight i guess to flesh out the sequel trilogies and some of the players and factions a bit and it looks like crimson dawn is going to have a bigger role in first order the remnant empire than we may have believed before yeah i mean to me there's two things that i learned from this story time one the empire needs to fix their their code system they're like it's an old code it's like, no, when the code is finished being used, delete the code because it's worked twice against them now. Once with Boba Fett and then once with fucking uh, episode six with the Rebels. They're just like, oh, yeah, it's an old code, but whatever. They can get in. Fix your code system. Two, Star Wars is starting to have a bit of a Kira problem because this character was introduced in, in a live action film and has now like she's starting to become bigger than comic books. Like the stuff that's happening in this thread and the stuff that the fact that she's still alive, as far as we know, like you're starting to have an issue with like if you're if she's going to stick around and she's as impactful as she is as a character, 
she should probably come back into the fold in something well, that I, is more. I think Nick, that, live that, action, that's kind of what I'm marketing. pitching to you. Like, could she, yeah. could she be this other main faction leader that we've you know heard rumors about in Book of Boba Fett? I mean, I would hope so because it's a fucking, that would be like a Luke Skywalker secret. Not, not uh, okay. That's probably the, not, uh, in yeah. terms of keeping it secret. Up until yeah. this point is what I mean. Not, not in terms of fanboys and fangirl reactions, because clearly, I mean, we we all love Kira, but she's not fucking Luke Skywalker. I was more talking about yeah. if they were able to keep it quiet that uh, Amelia was in book or is just lightly in it maybe she's a hologram in it that would be impressive but i don't know i just i feel like the fact they did this mini series and the next one is going to be crimson rain where you're going to find out more like how much more they're actually enmeshed in the empire and other pockets of the galaxy and then after that nick maybe this resonates with you because i i think this would have been eu fans or I, I saw certain fans react to this, but the next miniseries is called Hidden Empire. Does that ring a bell for you for like old EU type of stories? Hidden Empire. Hidden Empire. It, I mean, it kind of does. There was there was a story in old EU about a like essentially a fleet that was sequestered away in unknown. I don't know if it was unknown space, if it was called that back then, but it was outside of the reaches of Imperial influence at the time that everything happened with the fall of the empire. And they, so they didn't know that the empire had fallen, but when they came back into civilized space, they were like, they kind of found out about it and they, they, they set out to essentially try to regain control of the galaxy for under the empire. Does that, not sort of line up with the remnant in the first order ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, pretty much, I mean, the remnant is very similar, um, to that. I mean, you know, holding on to the last vestiges of power in whatever areas that you can, but yeah, I mean, that story could definitely set up very well. The events that we're seeing in Mandalorian book of Boba, everything. All right. Everything. So that's what I'm saying, man. I just, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we get something in the Mando timeline that addresses Crimson Dawn, hidden empire, the events of war, the bounty hunters. It just feels like, you know, this stuff is all too coincidental that like, Oh, Hey, uh, after we just made Boba Fett radical, uh, we're going to do a whole mini series yeah. to explain how he was even more radical back in the original trilogy. And oh, then we're going to give him his own show. It just seems like the, you know, the dominoes are kind of falling at the, at the right time here for all this Boba Fett narrative to be popping up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. They all have to be linked in some way, shape or form. So, all right. um, yeah, big stuff. Well, there we go. So I'll, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll be committed to. Um, I'm always going to keep reading Vader and Star Wars. Uh, I'll dip out of Afra and Bounty Hunters once it loses the the crossover banner. But once Rain starts up, I believe that's going to be another mini series and crossover. I'll, I'll definitely get into it because it was there. There was a couple slogs in there, but the core war the Bounty Hunters. You know, issue zero through five were it was some fantastic uh, Star Wars canon for fans of Bounty Hunters, Boba Fett in particular. All right, man. Cool. Let's get Thanks. through the fan segment. Something's going on over my end. I don't know if it's my camera, my system, or what, but it just keeps clicking and stopping. I don't even know what the hell the stream may look like or if we're even going to get a clean recording here, but I I, I feel like R2-D2 is about to quit on me, so 
Um, fan segment time. All right. We, um, we do this every week. If you're new here, uh, we, we like to honor our fans because why not? You know, they sometimes honor us. Not all the time, but sometimes. <laughs> uh, but to get involved, we have two methods. You can either get in, uh, get engaged with our question of the week, which drops every Tuesday morning, typically around 8 Eastern time on our Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. Uh, you can leave a response in the story or on the post itself, and we choose, you know, typically five comments a week, and we feature them during the fan segment. The second way to get inf- involved in the in the way that we we tricked a lot of you into just watching and listening to our show is the top five. All right, so that is uh, we, we kind of honor Star Wars artists every week based on our hashtag Star Wars Time Show. All right, Indeed so that's do. how to get involved. So um, first up, Nick, we've got our question of the week. I just need a second here to get it up on the screen. Yeah, I think it's my system. Everything is just uh, bogged, but it's saying my CPU is only I at nineteen percent. That your audio is fine, but I do see your video jumping every now and yeah, then. Yeah, something's that's just on my something's, side. So something's it? fucked Who up, knows? man. I can, I mean, I can see the camera itself. The the fucking lights go in and out, so I don't even know what's happening right now. Uh, hopefully, we can get through these last fifteen minutes. All right. So the question of the week was: Would you want Crips and Dawn in the book of Boba Fett, and why? All right. I'll take this All first right. one because it's it's on my my <laughs> reading level. Yes, of cause. All right, <laughs> of cause. Yeah, galaxy fun photography giving us just a flat yes of cause. Yeah. Yes, of cause. That of uh, that's going to be my new way of saying a course a cause. There we go. All right, next up, Tong Wars says yes. An excuse to see Maul on screen is a good one. Be cool to see Crimson Dawn in a rivalry with Black Sun with Fett working for one of the syndicates. This would pave the way for Prince Zizor to make a screen debut. He'd make a great antagonist against Maul. And then Star Wars Blocks <laughs> like this came in to, to, make him, to, to make sure that Tong Wars was up on all things Star Wars. He says, at Tong Wars, Maul is dead at Thatcher Point. Watch Star Wars Rebels. I assume that the Thatcher means that point. Um, but yes, he, he was just making sure that Tong was aware that, uh, Maul died is, is killed in star Wars rebels, but you could see him in, in flashbacks. I mean, flashbacks are always a possibility. Um, especially when you're talking about Crimson Dawn, seeing how things were, uh, progressed along as Kira came along and took the mantle as the, of the, of the leader. Uh, cause the last time we saw Kira in any sort of, uh, moving picture format, she was merely an underling. Yes, tomorrow. she was so going to essentially work with him. You would have to imagine train a little bit, not in the force. She mm-hmm. she didn't have the force. But uh, oh, Nick, I must be talking too much. Today. <laughs> she didn't have the force in the comic books, and uh, she did go toe to toe with Vader in some melee combat. But once he felt like actually trying, it was it was lights out. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, our right. our yeah. only potential now for to see live action Maul again. I mean, there, you could argue Kenobi and or the, the timelines work out uh, or if yeah. they ever decide, like Nick said, to actually further develop what was started in the solo movie. But outside of that, yeah, Mando timeline mall is off the table. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, SW Black Series Clips, one of our favorites, says maybe a quick bump in or a tease in the Mando timeline would be cool, but I need more. I'd rather have them save Crimson Dawn for a solo series follow-up. 
We need to see how the story plays out between Malkir and the gang. There's just not enough time to do that in Book of Boba Fett flashbacks. And yes, I had to Google how to spell Kira. Key, Q-I. You know what, though? I want, I want to address that because <laughs> there, there's too many young people in this world that don't do that type of stuff. They'll just throw out their own thought in their head. I mean, even, fuck, young yeah, no, people. There's a lot of people in this world these days. They'll just <laughs> blurt out their own facts or what they think it should be versus taking the two seconds like SW Black Series Clips did here to verify it. So kudos to you, yeah. SW Black Series Clips. It, 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 it's a good verifying. skill to have. Yeah, I mean, always check multiple yeah. sources. If 10 sources are saying the same thing and one isn't, guess what? The one not saying it is probably Fox News. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> there we go. Uh, good stuff, but yes, I agree. I would like some solo follow-up content. Next up, last one for the question of the week this week. This is at Figure Hurts. He says, if we get a little tickle tease <laughs> and a flashback, then they can bend me right over and fully probe my crimson dawn as much as they want <laughs> as much as they want in say the final ejaculation of the kenobi series as ewan gives us his live action duel with them all dreams and fantasies i know i like that um yeah no i mean it would be great hey who they could throw another fucking mall showdown and just have Kenobi fight all of his enemies at one <laughs> Remember, time. In this Sith show. Lords are his speciality. They're, they are his specialty. <laughs> so, hey, have him fucking fight Maul and Vader at the same time. <laughs> two on one. <laughs> yeah, he just goes like, you know, he's all he's all hocked up on spice. He's like, he, his shirt's yeah. ripped open. He's like, yeah. I mean, he's like that motherfucker in Star Wars Visions, the twins, right at the end where yeah. where he he does a, a hyperspace fuckboy maneuver. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. like hyper, hyperspace himself in the mall invader. Love it. Yeah. Well, Dude, there's a reason I mean, Nick and I don't on. write for Star Wars, but it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> right? It would be fucking cool, though. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Figure Hurts, for your response, and everybody else who responded to the question of the week this week. And that's going to bring us into the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. And as Matt tells you every week, you can play in this little segment here by tagging us at Star Wars Time Show on all of your Star Wars art-related posts. It can be toy pictures. It can be fan art. It can be vector art. It could be poop art. It could be whatever kind My of favorite. art that you want to tag us in. That's Matt's favorite, scatological art. Uh, and then also <laughs> throw the uh, hashtag Star Wars Time Show on those uh. as well. And that's how we see you. And that's how you can get your chance to make it on uh, this. You know what? Segment. Now that you mentioned it, I bet there is a famous artist out there for using their own waste, right? I, I guarantee somewhere oh, dude, appreciate I, like yeah. like you just, you know, take a dump in your hand and then throw it up against a canvas and, and call it a, a, a it's Pollock. It's like the Jackson Pollock yeah. of yeah, of, of poop art. <laughs> Definitely somebody out there doing that. Sign me up. <laughs> All right. We're going to kick this segment off with at Lalo Creativo, Creativo, yeah, L-A-L-O-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-O. And this shot here, I mean, Matt, you, you might have to fill me in on what you think the methodology oh, it's, behind it's a, this it's was. It's a straight digital is. mashup because if you go to Lalo's profile, okay. uh, they show you the different art pieces mixed together. But yeah, it's 
it's wild because I mean you've got different eras of troopers in there. You got clone troopers, stormtroopers, first order troopers. Uh, I even believe they yep. have the first order. No, that might be standard adats. You, you got a Macquarie Vader as the main subject. Yeah. Uh, the, the exploding Death Star in the background. So it, it's it's a hodgepodge of. Uh, random digital art pieces that Lalo forms together to create a cohesive, almost like poster style piece of art here. Yeah. I mean, what really stood out to me is one, the front and center, like you called out the, the Macquarie Vader and then just the color, like he saturates the colors a lot, which really just makes the picture pop. Yeah. Like the, the, the red orange background of the exploding Death Star the 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 vibrant red of the lightsaber that kind of reflects off of the 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 Vader figure, and then it's just a it's a, a beautifully chaotic scene that we see taking place here from Lalo Creativo. It's just it was really just well done, caught my eye, super super vibrant, super good stuff. Um, so yeah, at Lalo L A L O Creativo on Instagram, make sure to follow. Um, Next up, I mean, this was a fun shot from at Chang, C-H-A-N-G underscore smoker. And what we have here is a magazine cover <laughs> featuring a, I mean, I assume this is like a, like a John Wick stormtrooper just or man. something. It's, that we're it's seeing. Man, man magazine, yeah. man. And this guy's man just posing magazine. for it. Yeah. And, and the, the headlines are the second Death Star in the works fastest tie fighter jocks in the loop <laughs> and then yeah like matt said you have a a, a fully suited man with a stormtrooper helmet on he's got a like almost like a, a short katana slung over his back yeah. um i just thought that it was a really creative piece this is probably something they pass around the death star break room there you, you know like once you know once a week you get an or once a month you get an interview with a new stormtrooper telling them about their this is TK five A two. He's the you know he does the uh, he's the, the toilet main. He's man. Here. He's man of the week. Yeah. He's this week's man. And then you know they they just kind of pass it around the break room. Um, I just thought it was really cool. It was a cool concept. I love the uh, the magazine cover style that that they yeah, put it, in it's it. It's just, just it's it. super neat. And I'll also make the point that there's just something fun, cool, whatever you want to call it about characters in normal street clothes wearing stormtrooper buckets you know what i mean yeah i yeah. just i don't know i We've dig it, it yeah there, 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 there's a few shots out there where you know you kind of dress troopers in non-traditional gear and it just fucking works it just works i mean this is something i'd argue if i ever went back to work maybe i would wear a stormtrooper helmet to keep myself safe from all the <laughs> all the weirdos out there but it is fun. I believe Chang, this was an actual challenge. Uh, they got mixed up in with some other toy photographers that that also created their own magazines with you know, different, even different licenses. It, it didn't just have to be Star Wars. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, just it's, it's a very cool idea. It's just it's a cool concept. And then it was executed uh, perfectly. So digging this one from yeah. at Chang yeah. Smoker. Very cool. Very cool um, concept and execution there. Um, next up on the top five is at Manny, M-A-N-I underscore Johnson 69. Nice. Uh, and we have a, it's a really poignant shot here of, of Vader and, uh, this would be Star Wars Rebels Ahsoka kind of in an embrace, uh, in the snow. Looks like there's a downed 
it almost looks like a downed X-wing behind them, kind of. It's it's hard to tell, but just a very a very poignant moment. It almost makes me. It, it reminds me of the end of of Star Wars Clone Wars season seven, where you know the 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 light cruiser is crashed in the snow, but we never get to see an actual moment yeah, it's, between it's the epilogue scene. Like, and like I think what you're saying yeah. is Ahsoka would have popped out of like a, you know off off to the stage there. She would have showed screen, up and just yeah. started hugging Anakin, and be like, bro. I know it's you, man. I got you. And that, that's yeah. where they're at. And it is, it's, it's just, it is a, what if it is a full on what if. And uh, like I said, last week, after seeing that, the last tale and Lego terrifying tales, which to me was a, what if I would love to get, what if star Wars, I, I enjoyed what they did with Marvel. I know not a lot of people did. I don't understand why, but I don't really care. Cause I liked it. It was fun how they, they kind of, they made it seem like all these little episodes were just kind of on their own, but towards the end, they actually tied it all together and you had this culmination battle, which I thought was pretty rad and, and just loops into what happened in Loki with all the timelines. And I think they, they could do that in star Wars, but it, it just, we're there's, there's too many sensitive people that I don't think could handle this, this uh, yeah. type of content, like Darth Vader would never yeah. hug someone. He would stab her in the heart. It's like, all right, well, yeah, that's, that's like you called have what whole... if motherfuckers. That's what it's yeah. why it is called. What if I mean, basically, you have a whole fake canon that's already established for Star Wars called Legends. You might yeah. as well just say like, oh, this was a Legends moment. There you or go. Something yeah, like you that, go. you know. Could be, could and be I think uh, I don't know if it was Klondike or, or someone in our Discord, I believe. But uh, during I I won't spoil anything. But during the final episode of What If, let's just say some multiverses are traversed, and a lot of people are saying one of them was Star Wars because they saw Mustafar and Vader's castle in the background. And if you do look at the oh. at the screen cap. It's hard to argue that 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 an artist either didn't slide that in cheekily or it was planned to to do so. It's like kind of like a kind of like a wink, wink, like, oh, yeah, all the multiverses are involved here. Yeah, I was going to say, like, once you get into like multiverse kind of theory and then, you know, being able to travel to different galaxies and stuff like that, you you cannot really cross off the opportunity or the 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 possibility of a Marvel star Wars crossover. It's, it's very possible now that you're getting into all that. Yeah, that was, stuff that was Klondike who found that and threw it in the discord, which by the way, if you want to join, use our profile link in um, Instagram. Uh, so yeah, at, at Manny John at Manny underscore Johnson 69, really digging this, this feels type of shot. I mean, if Anakin wasn't such a, a a messed up person at this point in his life, I, I do think he and Ahsoka could have had a a moment like this, a redemption moment. And it is it, it, it's also I know where Nick was going, but it, it's kind of a it's an alternate play on really the return of the Jedi and 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 Vader's son redeeming him and and bringing him back to the light. Here you could argue it would have been Ahsoka. That would have got to him first, but it's just something about seeing that evil son of a bitch in that black armor with you can't see any emotion. These are damn figures, so there's definitely no emotion in the faces, but you can feel something in this shot. You can feel the sadness of Darth Vader and the love that Ahsoka has for him as, you know, her her friend, her brother. Yeah. In this shot from at Manny underscore Johnson 69. 
All right. Good stuff. Next up. Uh-oh. At 97 Parsecs Photography, um, he's coming in with a really awesome mall shot. So for all of you mall lovers out there, um, 97 Parsecs Photography is giving you a fantastic rendering up in here. So what we see is a battle happening between mall and it looks like his, I mean, essentially what was his like mall DeLorean oh, yeah. troopers. You oh, can yeah. see one in the background at least the full red armor. Um, and you just see them wiping out just legions or of stormtroopers. You can see helmets on the ground. Clones, see, right? I mean, that, uh, that's a clone pilot. Yeah. I think that's on the ground there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just a great action shot. 97 parsecs photography. I mean, we, he's been featured multiple times. Yeah, there was, in the top five. And I'm surprised you didn't, you was, didn't grab the, um, the the night brother shot or whatever the hell they're called that i think i just featured yesterday i mean it was I mean this one's fantastic too but as nick's saying pretty much anything 97 puts out is yeah this is an account that i have to govern myself on all right just to kind (laughs) of peel back that curtain a little bit i like how he adds in like creatures as well like you can see in this one he's got an act dog and like just like yeah. off in the background and I Nick, think these are all dog. these are, are massive i don't know what they are but these are the um this is 375 and oh wow. this mall right That's here big. and seeing this shot it, it's like dude just give up on black series i mean just give up at this point and go back to the little guys because look how good Save that yourself i mean money. yeah look how good that mall looks for time i mean you gotta remember yeah. 3.75 inches so if you're a man like me about the size of your your weenie it's not big it's not big at all. Yeah, it's. But they they look great. They they they're poseable now. They, you know they're more than just five or seven points of articulation, and you can craft even bigger scenes because they're smaller. I, I would assume uh, dioramas could be easier to to come by and make because they don't have to be as big. Uh, but yeah, they, I mean shots like this and and really you know Kingdom of Weirds another one tanked and not tank. Uh, hell, who's the tx carlo i mean when you when you see what they do mm-hmm. with 375 these days it's like why are we why are we fucking off with all these repaints and carbonize this and carbonize that in black series when we should probably just kind of take our medicine and and revert back to the the original line of of 375 yeah. but oh well i mean after seeing shots like this can't blame you for sure so at 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography with the awesome 375 mall shot and the final member of the top five this week goes to pizza lover mac and look sometimes simple is is all you need and what we have here is a is a pretty awesome simple shot it's our girl it's the heiress it's bo katan kneeling down behind a some cover just firing a pistol over uh into the fray and i mean really excellent pose that's it right there great use of the diorama and then and really that's all you really need to sell this this image here is just fantastic posing and then just a tiny bit of post processing to add that little laser effect and it looks fucking awesome Yeah, you you nailed it it was the pose that initially drew me to this uh, during my daily daily feature session it's just and i just had a session last night like myself trying to set up some toys working through shit some of the toys i'm shooting i i got maybe a year and a half ago i mean that, that's how deep i am in, in a backlog 
but I'm sitting there and it's like, I, I still struggle with the pose. And it, it, a lot of it is, I don't want to take the time to get it right. I'll, I'll be honest. A lot of it is, a, it's a me problem and my, my issues with patience and little intricate things that I got to use my hands on. Remember, I'm the one that spikes $90 figures off of walls when their hands don't go on <laughs> as fast as my brain thinks they should. Um, so I, but I still, I mean, yesterday I'm like, damn it, man, how did the, how do these other people do this so easily? And that's what we're getting from pizza lover Mac here. It's, it's a no frills type of shot, but it looks great because of how Bo is posed. It's a very organic looking pose, action oriented pose, and it just works mm-hmm. great for the character. So one, one of these days yeah. I'll, I'll figure out posing, but I, I mean, I still struggle to even make them look like they're walking or running and not being uh, like a drunk. Like a lot of times you, you'll know when someone has not posed their action figures correctly, when you look at the shot and it looks like most of them are drunk, right? Like kind of <laughs> leaning forward a little bit or stumbling sideways or leaning back. It's just like after a while, I'll just be like, you know what? Fuck you. You're just going to look like that. And I don't care. Um, That's why you just put like in the in the background or in like right off to the side in every shot. You just put like a couple of beer cans and you'd be like, he was drunk. <laughs> you could see he's drinking. Yeah, yeah they're going to be like, yeah, be like yeah, the photographer's <laughs> drunk. We know that for sure. I don't know about the little figures. Uh, I don't know. It was it was it was nice to get out again, but definitely no no dynamic poses like we're seeing here from at Pizza Lover Mac or really any of the shots we just looked at. And that is a OK, because at least. I got outside where I love to shoot and I started clicking that button again. Just have a little fun with it. There we trying, go. Nick, um, trying. And, <laughs> and that's the end of the top five. That's the end of the show. Thank you all for tuning in. So Matt, take us home. Take us home with the dance. All right. I'm dancing over there as long as my computer doesn't blow up. And, you know, last that's week we were, we were, we were getting on Nick weeks. for having Windows and not being able to use Skype. And this week you can get on me for having a Mac and really not being able to use anything because I don't know what the <laughs> hell's going on. I've been trying to look at, look under the hood as the show's been going on. It's not like my memory's pegged or my processor's uh, hitting it. I, it could be this. We had a Skype issue before we went live. Uh, some updates. I don't know if it's OBS, but either way, we have made it to the end of episode 184. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview with Neil Ellis. I know I did. It was a fun time. And that hour went really quickly, which means I think at least we were having a good conversation. Uh, if you missed it, you can always go to StarWarsTime.net on a Wednesday and find the uh, recorded version of the podcast. That's when we release our weekly podcast to all the platforms like iTunes, Google, Stitcher. Uh, hell, isn't Stitcher's a part of Sirius these days? So maybe it's even looped into there. Spotify, we're on there with Rogan. We get paid just as much as he does. Um, we just don't really have as much reach. We don't care. We're still getting those millions. But really, the, the best place to find our content, the cast, all of the jump off points to all of the platforms we are a part of is to head over to StarWarsTime.net. Like I said, hit the sub to podcast link. You will find one that works for you. And if it doesn't, send an email to our customer service department. All right. 
Um, that one goes right to the recycle bin, but we do have one out there just in case you want to reach us. Uh, if you like doing the live streams, if you like seeing our faces in black and white or sometimes our guests in color, you can also find our YouTube channel and a sub button right on StarWarsTime.net. So like I said, that is the easiest place to go to get looped into the Star Wars Time show if you are new to this little party. All right, everyone, keep it going. Like I said last week, numbers have been going up a little bit, which makes me happy. I don't know if that's new listeners or old listeners coming back and kind of taking a peek like these guys still smell. Nope. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll listen again for a few more months. Uh, but we hey, we appreciate anything. Thanks again for the feedback in the live stream today on the Neil interview. That, that stuff is always going to go a, a much longer way for myself, and I believe for Nick too, than monetary gifts or recognition um, by other Star Wars sites. We do it for you, the fandos. All right? Get some new ones for us. Remind them there's always time for Star Wars time. And don't forget to also tell them that if they listen to the Star Wars time show, which at this point in time is completely covered because I resized my browser... (laughs) Like you literally can't even see us anymore. It's just a big fucking browser window on the stream. But anyways, Perfect. you know what I'm getting at. If you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you always. Yeah.